and welcome to Game Brain, a board game podcast about our gaming group. I'm your host, Tom Donnelly, and we are in round 16, turn two, take two, again. We have recorded this once already, and it was a total bust. Ben, what did you what what did you say when you heard the recording? You were thinking uh, it was it was fixable, and you heard it, and it sounded like those old Nintendo games where they tried to have dialogue, <laughs> and it was like wah, 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 wah. it was like Charlie Brown meets old school Nintendo. It was, I was like, because I walked in, because and I was like, Tom, Tom, you know, you really should have just sent it to me. I think I could have fixed it, and then he played it for me. And I was like, oh no no no, which is that. a real shame though, because. You know, objectively, I believe that was the world's most perfect podcast. It was. I mean, we talked about so many things, uh, board games, like Cure for Cancer. We get, solved racism. Well, yeah. I was like, I was kind of impressed by it, that. And the solution was so simple. I just can't seem to remember it. Probably, we, it'll probably come up again. Uh, like, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, the most, the, I thought my favorite part of the original recording was the extensive curse-laden monologue Paul had about Dimitri. And I was like, are we really going to put this in? But no. We, but we were going to. We decided this is going to be the episode where we, we put it in. Are we going to leave it in this time? No, no. Now when no, we no, re-record no. it. We in get, the past, we can't recreate that, that, that I, angered I think emotion. that and when, when, when we finally, when we browbeat Paul for like a half an hour and he finally confessed that he intentionally uh, threw that game of Avalon, I think, yeah. I, I don't think we can keep either of those in, unfortunately. Those will just have to be sitting well, on the... Like, like this, this, in fact, is not the podcast. This is just a tribute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are in round 16, turn two, and we are going to be reviewing a game that slipped through the cracks way back in 2016. A little game called Crisis came out, and Ben brought it back to our group. Thank you very much, Ben, because, I, you know, spoiler alert, it's a it's a gem. We've been very, very, uh, very much enjoying that game. Yep. And then we're also going to be talking about uh, something that Crisis is, which is a semi-cooperative game. We're going to be talking about the elusive semi-cooperative game. There are not a lot of them in the world, and we're going to talk about uh, why that is and what makes what makes them sing when they sing and what makes them fail when they fail and uh, what are the pitfalls of the semi-cooperative game. Uh, normally, this would be the point where I introduce the people that are going to be on the podcast with me, but I think we all know that it's our Ben, our ben Mandelker and our Paul Satachet. Yay! Hey. <laughs> guys are the best now if i remember right the first time we 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 did this we were kind of giving each other sort of like a, a how you been what's been going on and yeah. uh yeah paul paul had the uh the the bad news to report right yes uh like still like you know my car had been hit on friday uh is it, is it still hit now in, it, the, in it, the second recording it, it's it's still been hit yes we i have not been able to change the entropy of time to go in reverse so like uh and i do not know who did it but i do have some video footage someone in a black uh cadillac S cts mm -hmm. uh so if any of you happen to hit uh my car uh let me know uh you won a prize <laughs> the, the right side of that car is now silver so that should be a, a big hint for people yeah. yep so yeah, please please contact Super. Game Brain for your for your reward. Well, well, well <laughs> so, really, you're, so last month your car got stolen. In February, I had a car Two stolen. Months, okay, you know, and so if if you are that person, uh, you, you will get an, a bonus prize. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and we found its carcass like on by the train tracks, which is, you know, dark, sad. Uh, and then cliche ridden, really. And, and here's know, where, and here's, better. here's where my failure of adulting happens. I I call the insurance company, blah blah blah, and then they say, 
oh, well, you know, if you don't, you know, it's a pretty high deductible, 500 bucks. Like, you know, you could actually bring it down to 50 and uh, it would only cost you maybe like $10 every month or, or $5 a month. And I'm like, okay. And so when I saw the... When they offer for you to pay them less money? But Paul thought there was going to be a catch, right? Did you think there was going to be a catch, which is why you didn't do it? No, I did do it. That's the thing. Oh, no, but, he uh, did do it, which means he had to pay more now. Oh, yes. It, 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 I'm not paying more now. That, that's, that's the, the issue was that, like, when I saw the car with its, like, you know, smear and crushed, you know, crushed fender, I was like, it's okay because my deductible is only 50 bucks. But then I called Geico and they go like, oh, no, that was for your comprehensive. Collision mm, is still 500. And that, you know, now I go like, oh, as an adult, I now know exactly the difference between yeah. comprehensive and collision. And it's going to cost me 500 bucks, bucks for that lesson. So, so the British for, Gecko is really putting the screws to you. Is that what we're hearing? I'm not going to lie. I'm, uh, you know, Geico is actually quite user friendly. I don't know if any uh, what until it's not until it's, I guess all insurance companies are, are very friendly and I I have to say uh, so this is just an, just so everyone knows with Geico comprehensive does not mean comprehensive is that the is that the TLDR in well, this situation because well, it, like, it's mm. obviously comprehensive except so, so comprehensive is like oh your car gets stolen or you hit a tree or something like that collision or you, you cripple your elderly neighbor. Collision is when someone hits you, mm-hmm. and so like mm-hmm. you know, uh, Which like this, this feels was, like that should be part of comprehensive. Yeah, like the, this this was a hit and run. Like you the, know, the, the word comprehensive does seem to it imply has sort of certain an inclusive things. quality does to it. It? <laughs> it does. It's a very welcoming word, and I don't like know why it, they're interpreting it as as not as welcoming as it sounds. Yeah, right. I, I, especially when you're in a situation where you literally did nothing. You weren't even in your this, car. So, game brainers, if one of you is a uh, insurance specialist, please weigh in. And <laughs> well, actually, you hashtag might hashtag not all insurance companies. That's true. Well, maybe maybe another insurance company. You should go to them and say, "Look, Geico is not is making me pay this much, and I should. What can you do for me, Flo?" Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it, there is this interesting thing where I'm always surprised on how flexible they are. Where he goes, "Oh, I just need the I need the car for another five days." Okay, sure. And I'm like, "How much are you scamming me? That that it's so easy for you to go like, oh, so much money." I, yeah. I, I, I mean, like. My insurance rates aren't that high, but like, you know, the aggregate of the billions that, you know. Keep the car, keep the rental as long as you want, and later we'll talk about what your new rate is. Yeah, we'll, 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 see, we'll, see, we'll see how it goes. Like, you know, uh, I, I got a Mercedes as my first car, which I did not want mm. because, like, you know, uh, mm. it's, it's just not my my vibe. Uh, but today I traded in for like an electric Kia. Who the heck is giving you Mercedes as a rental? Enterprise, because, like, you know, they don't care. I guess I not. mean there's a there's a rental car shortage right now that's yeah, happening is, yeah. and the fact that like in the midst of this rental car shortage you somehow emerge with a Mercedes and then you turn it back in that's a little crazy that's, no, well, that's bizarre well because gas is expensive and Mercedes uh, okay, okay. That's and fair. Mercedes only takes that premium or whatever so and Mercedes has that quality we call hitability and, yes and we can't steal ability and, yes. and, and so I got the uh this Kia electric hatchback so you know okay so it's that's a, cute. try that out yeah like I, I've driven Tesla is and, it a Kona I don't exactly know. Okay, I don't know, but but it, it, it's, it's so it's to sporty. the the criminals of Los Angeles. There is a brand new Kia that you are free to steal <laughs> or hit. <laughs> Listen, I I have a question for you, Paul. In the last several months, yeah, in 2022, 2022, which was supposed to be the better year, 
Let's be clear. Yeah, we were we were forecasting this to be the year of Paul, the year of the year of all of us. To yeah, some degree. sure, sure. Um, uh, you have had your primary car stolen. Yep. Uh, you have ha- you have invited a friend to a jujitsu uh, a class who then promptly had a heart attack. Yeah. You've had your other car slammed into in a, in a hit and run. Do you have a powerful nemesis? It, it, well, this, the, I'm going to tell you this, okay? Then maybe I'm sounding crazy, but I feel like somewhere along the line, mm-hmm. I pissed off someone who I don't know. Yep. And that person is a witch. A little bit. Uh, yeah. Like I'm going like uh, you know I I don't I don't know I'm like oh, you know, this is a lot of annoying things for 2022. It, it does it does feel like there's a there's a small little Paul doll that somebody has. Yeah. But, but here's the thing, like you know, I feel like people are hitting the people around me, so I, I worry for you guys. I'm a little worried for myself as well, to be honest. At this point, well, you you drove him over here, didn't you? I know, I know. Well, no, but that that makes that means I should be safe. No, it does because no. he'll be in my car. No, well, oh well, yeah. No, well, no, it'll be a collision once on I your drop, side of the car. Once I drop him off, distance is not like you know uh, adequate protection for magic. <laughs> ben, how you been? What's going on with you? Uh, I am great. Today is my fourth podcast episode I will be recording. Wow. <laughs> so I'm wow. I am all you're gonna get a real loopy side of me because, you know, I'm like I don't even know. I'm just a husk of a human at this point. But I'm honestly I'm I'm doing great. I've had a lovely past few days. You're only human. I'm only a human. flesh and blood you're made. This is correct. How's that song go? <laughs> well, just like that. Just like that. One of my favorites. We're gonna count it. But um I don't even remember what's happened between Sunday when we initially recorded and today it's been a blur but it's I, I feel like uh it's been a good blur I guess I can't think of anything okay it's been nice it's been, I had a lovely time playing games with an everyone. upward spiral upward well, spiral sure unlike the last time we recorded this how about we move on to this week's game night sometime in the first 30 minutes oh okay. great uh, let's, uh, love let's that. do that see what did we do last week last week there was a game of uh, perseverance right how did that go uh it went well uh like let's see last week we played perseverance and uh the narrative was like three dino hunters went into jungle to get notoriety to become mayor and i just stayed in town and goes hey how about uh, habitat for humanity habitat for humanity and they voted me mayor uh we Sounds pl- right. We played again uh, last night, and that was not the narrative. And it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that did not happen. Quickly, they forget your contributions that, that, to Dino that, Society. So, so we'll, I'll t- we'll talk more about that. We're, I think we're going to record uh, the episode this week. So uh, for next week, you'll have an episode of Perseverance. Mm, okay. Adventures right. on Dino Island. It's not called that, but that's all. <laughs> yeah, it should be. Uh, then, of course, we had our uh, our usual Friday night game night, which began with a rousing, a, a very rowdy 10-player Avalon session. 10-player is always right at the edge of Manageability. chaos and order, right? It's just barely accomplishable. And, well, let's, let's, there's no way to sugarcoat it. The, uh, the bad guys won. The, yep. ba- the bad guys won, and uh, the good guys were, were vanquished in a... In a in a fairly distinctive way, in a way that that rarely happens, wouldn't you say? 
Um, well, I, I can't comment on like whether the rarity of it because I've not played five thousand games of Avalon. That's true. But I will say the the, and the good shows. guys, and it shows the good guys <laughs> starring me as Merlin. Um, we lost spectacularly, um, partially because no one really wanted to believe or listen to Merlin, despite my very clear benevolent personality. Um, and I said this last time. You you have gone from being a person that rightfully said that people don't listen to me in this game, and it was yes. a, it was a bugaboo. Now they do listen to you. They may not believe you, but they listen. They didn't, they didn't believe you, but they they definitely listen to you. They 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 weighed it. Yeah, um, I got had uh, because I didn't know who Mordred was, as per the way of the Merlin life. And Mordred was oh, it yeah. was Mr. It, Thomas Donnelly. It was me. Wow. Um, Tom, I don't think you're coming off as good as you think you sound. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was I'm trying to do a modified Dimitri. It was me. <laughs> well, listen, I, I it wasn't. I got had by your family because your son was playing, and your son is a very good player. I've now learned, and um, he was a bad guy. I knew he was a bad guy, mm. and he was able. He had Lady of the Lake, so he was able to look at someone's, you know, not role, but like their alliance. Mm. And he said that Trey was good, and so me, being a simplistic Merlin, was like, "Well, Aiden is bad, and if he's vouching for Trey, that means Trey is probably bad too. If he's mm-hmm. saying Trey is good, that means Trey is actually probably really bad because it was between Trey." And you, Tom. Yep. And so at that point, I was like, oh, it is. Okay, so Trey is bad. So uh, little did I realize it was, a, it was a fake out, and Tom was the bad one. And I should have trusted my gut all along, and I didn't. Not that would have mattered, because no one would have listened to me. Once again, if, you're, if you go by your gut, I am always a bad guy. Yeah. That's the fact of the matter. If you go by your gut, Paul and I are always bad. But the guys. problem and is, we're that, like, not always bad. That's guys. the thing, because if people go by their guts as well, I'm a bad guy too. Yes. So I know what it's like to be framed by people's guts. You, you, <laughs> you have. It's understood. You have to wear the the expectation of your badness as a as a badge of honor. Yeah. What it means is that they fear you. Mm-hmm. And fear in Avalon is is really the highest level of respect one one can give a person was, in that game. I, I don't yes. like. I went through. Literally a month, a, a month, a month, maybe maybe two months, eight eight games, where people just didn't pick me because they, they thought I was bad, mm. and, and I, I just I didn't do anything to assuage them of that feeling. I'm going like, I'm good, guys. And <laughs> <laughs> but for but, me, though, oh, I'm sorry, you're still. Oh, sorry. I just, I'd say like you know, sometimes you just gotta, you gotta go through that desert before. Yeah, and it's okay. I don't really care that much because I've realized that my victory conditions for Avalon are slightly different. Uh, my victory conditions are just kind of like. Can I pull enough sort of like uh, pull levers and stuff just to see uh-huh. what I can do? Can I get can I get someone to believe me about one little thing? Like for this one as Merlin, all I wanted to do was figure out who is Mordred. I mean, I, of course I wanted us to win, but like the thing that I was most concerned about was figuring out who was Mordred. So even though I was completely wrong, I was still very excited that I felt like I had to do something. So I was having a really great time. Okay. And then it was also fun that like half half of the table at some point or another seemed to have lost their mind during this game. Dimitri yelled, Trey yelled, yep. Mike yelled. Yep. I mean, people were like literally going berserk during this game, and it was hilarious. Oh, uh, <laughs> like the uh, my personal favorite was the Mike Trey uh, interaction. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, Mike was Percival, and he was also Mike. Yes. <laughs> and so what that uh, created was a certain expectation from Trey of like, hey, are you good or bad? I can't tell. You're really creepy to me. And like, you know, there's this point where Trey is standing up and looking at Mike and pointing to him and saying, 
Mike, if you're a good guy, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> and, and, and without a, without a without a blink, Mike, you know, equally as fiery. No, <laughs> if you're a good guy, Trevor, kick your ass. Listen, mate, if you're going to play well as a good guy, you have to be ready to change your opinion about people when you're wrong, and you're wrong. It was like, I was like, I was oh my like, god, this is it, awesome. Like, like everyone, like just. It got like a like a, a shot of testosterone or something because it, it was it, it, like it was like people were playing as if if they were on the losing team they were going to be executed. It was like the the like the intensity. And by the way, you guys were all saying, "Well, Mike, you played a terrible game as a good guy." Now, can you guys tell me why he played a, a bad a bad good guy? I would. I, I'm, well, I'm actually, I, I'm I didn't say that this last time. Like, I actually oh, told uh, I actually uh, told uh, him that he that. Nobody believed him, but I don't think he made too many mistakes. Like I I feel like you know ultimately if you're a good guy. You have to have credibility. If yeah. you're a bad guy, you have to have credibility. Uh, Mike had put himself in the position where he had none with the people. But why did he have no credibility? Because as opposed to anyone else. And, on the table? and and the reason, oftentimes, is like if you're like voting erratically, like you know, mm-hmm. people go like, "Oh, is that person playing poorly, or is that person trying to hide?" getting a bad guy onto you know the team or do they have other knowledge right? exactly so so, so oh. like it but it's you know with mike's persona and his you know his history like his name is smokescreen and his name is smokescreen because one time as a good guy he failed a mission and the then one, the and, one thing you cannot do in the rules and and, and then and then he fails a mission and then the bad guy stopped the game and goes like this this can't be because this, no, uh, uh, there's and they, a failure and there's no bad guys uh, on that team. Th- there is who like, did that? Who did and that? And Mike, Mike goes, oh, did. I, I, I do it. Like, you know, like, oh, Mike, why did you do that? Uh, it's a smoke screen. Well, <laughs> Mike is really funny when you play Avalon because I don't know if you guys realize this or I've noticed it, but I noticed it this last game that like Mike sort of just had his own sort of constant commentary going. Oh, yeah, yes, like right. he sits here at the end of the table yes. and like, we're all talking, but if you really sort of stop on the side, Mike just sort of has his own little TV show going. He's like, well, you know, it could be a lot of different things, but, you know, vote in different ways. And, you know, it goes as a good guy, as a bad guy. I wouldn't put him on as a bad It just is like a constant I'm, stream I'm not, of I'm not, sure, I'm not sure what he said is right. It doesn't make sense to me. You know, and like, it's you know, like a little radio that's been Sometimes there's a person on. listening and sometimes nobody is. It <laughs> look, Mike, uh, look, Mike is a good, good human being, a good guy. And good human beings often don't do well in Avalon. Yeah. Like, he thank you by the way thank you yes thank you for that compliment yes. there is a there is a thing where where people tom, have tom thank you for that compliment too <laughs> yes no, horrible <laughs> the worst We're, we are the worst paul um no the, because it requires you to lie well and for some people lying is a hard thing to do well yep. and and that is that could not speak better to your character and that could not be a more fatal flaw in avalon and so with mike traditionally what I can do is I can look at Mike, I can wait until I can tell that he's totally off guard because he's in the middle of something else and just quickly distract him and say, hey, Mike, are you a spy? And, I, and, and, his, and time and time again, I can get the reaction where I can see if he is a spy or not. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when I'm a bad guy, I can ask him that question at a particular moment and make him look like he's a bad guy, mm-hmm. even though he's not. And I tried that last night, or the, you know, that Friday. we played Avalon, Friday night. And he had he he was locked and loaded. He was locked and loaded. He says, "No, I'm a good guy." <laughs> and he was and he sold it to yeah. me. He just didn't sell it to Trey. He was on the other side of the table. And I did that to your son. Yes, because I, I knew he was bad. So I I came out of nowhere and put him on the spot mm-hmm. and said, "Like, tell me why you're not a spy." So I'm like, I said something really direct like that, and he flinched. He was like, "Ah!" Uh, uh, uh. And then at mat number three, yep. 
he 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 interrupted Matt number three was good yep. and he was like what about why him and it like kind of took the, t- the table's attention away and I was like no it, it killed your it killed your interrogation you had an interrogation scene locked and loaded you were gonna out him as a spy it's like one of those movies it's like one of those movies where like there's gonna be some vital handoff I mean I used to watch the uh, the show 24 I watched every single season and it was always like Jack Bauer was one step away from solving the global crisis that was about to unfold, he just had to go and grab this one thing. And just as he's about to grab the one, the, the disc from the person, mm. then someone from Sniper. CTU would just come and run over the person by accident. And you're like, no, that, that, that was what it felt like. It was just, it was friendly fire. I mean, the, the bad guys were me, my son, who is a sleeper agent, right? No, yes. People think that he's new to the game, and no, he's a shark. No more. He, no more. Shark. I'm putting him on blast right now. All right. I've been training him in the art of Avalon since he was five. Yeah, sure. Um, and Candace mm-hmm. and Paul. Hello. And Paul <laughs> didn't do anything. I didn't do uh, anything. Like nothing. I did nothing. Because we didn't need you. No. Because like, it, it was actually... Uh, I had my eye on Paul because I knew he was bad. So uh, I was like the moment he was going to, if he started to get froggy, I was going to. Froggy. I like that word. Like there is, I have this theory that like you actually only need three bad guys on 10. Uh, Like, you know, uh, and I think with the the dynamics we had, it it would have been like, truth be told, like the good guys were doing such a good job of destroying themselves. Oh, yeah. It was so. It was like so perfect. Like this is like Shadows of Camelot kind of perfect. Where no, they were they were throwing Percival under the bus as a guaranteed spy. They were suspicious of Merlin. It was. It, it could not have gone better. And, and I'm and I'm slagging anyway. I'm just saying this this happens. Like you know when you play like say Shadows or Camelot. Like yeah. there could be no traitor and and you can just be like stabbing each other. Yeah, it was fun. And, and so, but you know, but it's such a show. Yes, it is. It is. It's such a show when that happens because, like, you know, I'm not doing anything, but if you want to slay yourselves, go ahead. Uh, Paul, do you feel, and this is not a trick question, this is an honest question, do you feel you are in any way in an Avalon slump? In an Avalon slump? No, I think I'm okay. thinking I'm at top of my game. Okay, good. Uh, you, you were saying that, that recently you've been. I, like, I, I will say that, like, I think that perhaps I need to step back a little bit in yeah. order to have. Other people who are less developed in the game grow a little bit. Sure, sure. So that you know, uh, just because like there can only be so many people, uh, what what you call it, uh, controlling the narrative, showboating. Uh, and so yeah. if 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 there is only if there's always three people show, uh, showboating or whatever, then the other people don't get to develop their voice. So I, and I will actually say to that to that end, um, you guys have developed a really. Like a not a it's not a shorthand, but you guys are able to recognize patterns very very quickly mm. of what's good and what's bad. And I have you know I feel like I am a smart person who can learn things you know, but <laughs> but but ben, I think ben, that like you when you're are a smart person, thank you. Who can learn things. But when you're but when you're in the midst of something, and then there's like a flop of the votes, and then. The, the most seasoned players like, oh, well, this is bad. And I'm like, well, why is it bad? Well, because there's too many votes. And if it was like this, it was da, 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 da. and it's like, um, I've never, I, I can't retain the logic that you, because mm-hmm. it's, it's like I'm not you, arriving at the logic sure. by myself. I'm sort of just being told it very quickly. Like, and I'm not sure. mad that people are telling no, no, no. me because it's like I'm asking. I can, but I, I think can exp- that's why I'm, I, I'm, I'm not really in this neutral growing. environment. Can I, can I give you just the, 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 the basis of most of those? Most of those is if there's too many yes votes on a team, it means almost all the bad guys voted for that team, which means right. we're in trouble. 
if there are a lot of no votes on a mission, uh, it often means that multiple bad guys voted no on that team, which means that there's a greater likelihood that it's good. So paradoxically, when you get a vote that, you know, around vote four, if a vote fails really hard, sometimes that's because the team is actually good, Mm -hmm. right? The more fails you have, the more the more likely it is that the bad guys really don't want that team happening. Yeah, but what happens is that first of all, thank you, because I feel like you know what it's like. It's such a it's actually a very simple logic. Yeah, but like in the heat of a game when things are happening, you don't really have time to really digest it. And yes. I, and on my off time, I'm not thinking about the logic of it all. But what? I know, well, like, like the, but look, but later on and later step rounds, up your game. <laughs> step okay? up my logic game. At least a half hour a day should be devoted to the last Avalon game you. I'm going to come back like a beautiful mind. I'm going to be <laughs> scribbling like logic things. Anyway, the point of the story is that there there may be some truth to that. It, it makes it harder for newer people to sort of like get that kind of like um, inherent logic in their brains. Sure, but at the same time, I also don't think that any player should ever like pull punches. If, if, you know, yeah, like, I think you should, everyone should play their game that they want to play and have fun. The whole point is to have fun. So like, if it's going to be fun for you, then do it. Like, like for me, like uh, like I'm as I'm taking jujitsu right now, and I'm a white belt, and I am getting my butt destroyed by you know by higher belts. And what I've noticed consistently is the better higher belts will let me try things because I need to know how to try things yeah if 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 they plus they're worried that you're going to dislodge some plaque in your heart that's right that's right so <laughs> so if you know so like and i'm looking I'm, I'm putting it we have 10 people now we have a lot of people in our our avalon games candace is coming in you know bond you know all these people who are at the cusp of like getting it the, more than just getting it like developing their own persona yeah, and so like I I, I I step back and i go like oh i don't need i know what my persona is i know how to play I don't need to like demonstrate that every time. I, it would be more, it'd be better if everyone got a chance to explore what their persona is, and so that would add to the richness and the longevity of the game. I'm only playing for the the, the, the long game, so we can play this forever. Like, so I'm just trying to get enough people to to be strong. Thank you, thank you for your <laughs> generosity. Paul is putting training wheels on his bicycle so other people feel better about. He's themselves. just here to help us all. The, you realize he's playing the game right now. Avalon <laughs> never ends. You realize this is, you realize this is, this is I'm ready. One, I'm ready to play right now. One thousand percent. Him attempting to change his table image in your mind so that in the next game he is going to lead you down the garden path to your doom. Oh, Let's just call up Candace and Matt Number Three right now. Have right. them come over and That's just right. do it, Avalon. It, run the air. What's that movie with the uh, with Tesla and? Uh, uh, the prestige prestige yeah it, like no that's not the trick here's here here's the trick right here it, it's, it's his life is him getting into the cab that's and right, looking, exactly looking that's what I'm doing right now. that's right that's my game that's that's exactly what you're doing you're, spoilers totally the prestige um then we split off we had 10 people so we split off into two games of five we played crescent moon candace brought crescent mm-hmm. moon mm-hmm. i i we heard things like it's uh reminds people of root mm-hmm. quite yep. a bit yeah that's what I've heard. I'm I'm intrigued to play it. Uh, um, two or three people liked it. Two people weren't so enamored of it, but that's early, early, early bed, early days. Yeah, um, I'm intrigued because you know I have I have had a mixed record in terms of like my enjoyment of those kind of games. I really I really did not enjoy my one play of Vast Crystal Caverns, which is mm. one of those types of games. Obviously, Paul and I are like 
you know, crazy people about hegemony, which is super sure. asymmetric. Um, yeah. So I never Dune really know is where... one of my favorite games of all time, and it's mm-hmm. completely asymmetrical. Yeah, so I, I think in I think in theory those kind of games can be super fun as long as like there's an actual game beyond the fact like whoa we're all doing different things. Um, and I had, you know, whoa, we're all doing different. Well, that's, that's, whoa, look at me! Whoa. I'm playing a totally different game than you are. Well, whoa. that's how I felt about Vast. I felt like Vast. It was like, mm. oh, it's cool. Mm. Like you're a ca- you're, the cave, you're the cave, and I'm the goblins or whatever. But then the actual things we were doing were not interesting. Yeah. And so, um, if I am intrigued because I had heard um, uh, they talked about it on the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast, and Quinn's liked it. I think it was Quinn's who liked it quite a bit. And the way he talked about it, I thought that sounds very interesting. Mm. I haven't played Root, so I don't know where I stand on Root, but mm. um, I'm intrigued enough that I'm very eager to try Crescent Moon and see uh, see how it works out for yeah. me. Okay. Well, we played Root for a while, maybe about a month, and then I remember one game where I was playing the cats or something or the or the birds. The birds, yeah. Uh, and and then David Gilson was playing the the raccoon, the the and just walk around hero, heroically. Yeah. And I, I thought I was doing very well. And then he had just won one, like you know, like 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 definitively won. And I go like, oh, the fact that I don't know what you're doing at all is going against my interaction funness. Mm, yeah, you know. Yes, and I was gonna say. Um, uh, I believe on the last podcast we talked about the traffic game, right? Yeah, the theoretically right. traffic game, and then I think we talked about city building, etc. Mm-hmm. And and like that could be an asymmetric thing. Yeah, and yeah. I actually really like the idea of an asymmetric game where we may not know the intricacies of everyone's roles, but we sort of inherently understand the codependencies yeah. in the way that, like in in this theoretical game, one person is in charge of the roads, one person is in charge of like houses, one person in charge of commercial development, mm-hmm. because we see that in real life, how those things interact. And that's why hegemony for me worked really well because, you know, I understand on some level the relationship between the capitalist class and the working class. Like I understand how those things work. And so it's reflected in the game. And sometimes in a game like, you know, in in some of these games, I'm like, okay, I'm just doing something different, but there's not really a, a relationship between yep. what I'm doing. Right. Just just like crossovers where we have like these sort of areas where what I'm doing is going to impact you, but there's no real like ecosystem that develops because of our four different things that we're doing. Yeah. I mean, my my favorite games like that with, with tremendously variable player powers are games like Dune and games like uh, Marco Polo. Mm-hmm in which the the game is still the game for everybody, right? You're still all playing the same game. It's just that the thing that you can do that no one else can do is so unique that it really does give you a very different perspective into how you play that game. And I, I yeah. prefer that to the to the roots of the world where you're legitimately playing a different game or a different goal simultaneously as, mm-hmm. as other people are playing yeah, like, yeah, like that's why I, I i'm not a big fan of like uh tribune with expansion wow because the the the, 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 the brutal wow. you're just playing this like yeah. weird asymmetric game that's completely different than everyone else yes and uh and you know it just it goes against i'm sorry tom did you say anything <laughs> <laughs> it's particularly hurtful because candace sold her copy of tribune this week and i was just like i'm not sure you're invited anymore <laughs> <laughs> i'm not Very certain sad. how to do that ridiculous ridiculous and 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 ben we we still haven't we haven't completed the sale with ben on tribune we we, we have to work oh, oh we have work to do yet. oh no no it's it's been completed oh it, it is not it's just not how you think oh, it's it going. no it is not it is not he'll he 
Ben Ben, as we said earlier, is a smart cookie, and and he is and he I will is develop going, a taste. He is going to fall fall in love with it eventually. Okay, you never know. Might, you never know. It might just sometimes it's like when Harry met Sally. There were a few years goes a few years of it, but then you know we Look, might become. I, I don't. I think you will. I think maybe I think I'll just around. wind up in like a deli, and and Tribune will just be just, making a very loud display of itself. And one day I'll be forty. It could be, <laughs> or or it's New Year's Eve, and you're just running through this, running into the game store at the last minute, and and they're closing up shop, and the one game that he has that that, that you can purchase right there, there it is. It's Tribune. Tribune. Just waiting for you. Yeah. More like tribute. Am I right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so then we broke, uh, yeah, so the Crescent Moon was played in one group, and we played Crisis. We played a very short game of Crisis. That's great. Uh, five player, three rounds. We, we, we tanked Axia, destroyed its economy in only three rounds. Yes. Which brings up an issue with, with it, because it, it is one of those games where your play can definitely decide how long the game is. And we can talk more about it, like, you know, when yeah, we'll I talk about our review. Yeah. Uh, but because we had a short game, we got to play two other games after that. We played a game called Scapegoat. Scapegoat, yeah. Scapegoat. It's a game. Kind of a light, hidden, trader game sort of thing. But it's a little different because instead of one person working against the rest, uh, everybody knows at the beginning of the game who the scapegoat is, except for the scapegoat, who thinks that the scapegoat is somebody else and has to, and has to figure out that, oh, wait, it's yeah. me. Yeah. And this, cool is where I, this is where I do my time for impression. And Ben, who was the scapegoat? <laughs> <laughs> that person was me. It was a cool premise. I don't know if I, I don't know if I uh, connected with the game very much, but I thought yeah. the initial premise was very cool. You just didn't like being picked on. I felt like a scapegoat in that moment. Well, actually, what's interesting is that for a game called Scapegoat, mm. it doesn't actually lean into the theme. Uh, or maybe we didn't play it that way. Maybe we didn't develop our meta enough. But it didn't lean into the feeling of being a scapegoat. Because uh, yeah. I didn't know I was a scapegoat until the very, very, very end. I started to get an inkling, and then by then it was over. So like, it's not like Avalon, where there's accusations. or you're. Maybe we were just being quiet. Like Maybe if we had more like back and forth talking. We were actually, it was a very quiet game. It, it was and mechanical. It was mechanical. and, and um, Maybe that was just our first play. Maybe there's more to it. I'm, like they, I'm but definitely going to play it several times. The game should facilitate those moments of accusation, of theater. It felt very short. Right, it felt like fine. there wasn't enough time for exactly what we're talking about to develop. But like compare mean? it to a game like Coup. Which was a re- we um, we actually never play coup, but I don't know where you guys what you guys feel about coup. Uh, I, I, I <laughs> tell him, Paul. I think the, the way that coup has worked out in here is like it's been banned by the uh, the initiator of the game night because well, everyone always picks on me and I don't want to play. Blah, blah, blah. I have played coup five times, and all five times I was the first person eliminated from the game within within five minutes. I am out of the game, and then I'm watching people play for another 40 minutes. You know, we 40 minutes? Well, half hour. We don't have to play. Well, every time. Every time. If there was a time <laughs> when that didn't happen, and once again, it's the thing I said. It's, it's like when they don't trust you, it's a, it's a mark of respect. But I don't want to play a game where that mark of respect means you got, you got to sit around for however long while everyone else plays a game. I just don't want to be first loser all the no, time. It's not, it's not only that, but it's, it's also that the game isn't fun for me because I don't have anything to do except yeah, just yeah, no, wait, I, I, I wait get for it. my doom. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I haven't 
excuse me, I haven't played Coup in a very long time, but my experience was not necessarily that, but it sure. was it was a little bit more spread around. Um, but the reason why I bring it up is that is a game that has social deduction and you are trying to figure out like who's what and there's there's always like sort of like a threat on you at any given time, at any given moment. But the game has moments where it really pits people against each other, where you have to say, uh, like, you're, I'm making an accusation towards you. I'm saying, I'm saying that you have this card. Hmm. And you say, no, or yes, whatever. This reveals. And, it, it, like, you you have to say something yeah. to someone else for the game to move forward. It's not mm-hmm. like an scapegoat. You're sort of, like, moving cards around. So it, and it's sort of a scapegoat little bit might of be, might, might end up being too light and not uh, not quite crunchy enough. Not, might, there might not be enough there there. But we'll the, 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 the central conceit, very nice. very cool. Yep. Very very cool. The fact that everybody there's a die rolled and everybody looks at this uh, this legend on the back and that legend is always going to tell four people or however many people that this person's a scapegoat and that one person is going to say that it's another person. That's 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 good. Very cool. I wish I, I would have liked to have seen. I think a, a slightly more interesting game built up around that. Agreed. And then that's all we did for game night. Oh, uh, can we rewind? I think there was one more game we've had. No, I'm pretty sure that's all. I think there was one. What Paul, wasn't there one more game we played? I certainly. I mean, I listen, it's so long ago. Who this, knows what like, could have happened? I feel My like guesses is that we didn't play anything else. No, I'm pretty sure there's I feel one like more game. There's like there's like it's something sticky, like something like a, sticky, like, like a, a wait a jelly, minute. We, we, like played, a... we played Avalon, and then we played Crisis, which is a main game, and then we played Scape. I mean, that's a full night. That's got to be a full night. It's not possible that we played another game. You know what? I'm remembering right now. We played Letter Jam. Letter Jam. Oh my god. Yeah, Letter Jam. It's this. It's a cooperative I, game. I do not recall. Oh, it was it, reviewed a few or, weeks or, ago. Or in some, in, in this case, perhaps semi cooperative. Semi cooperative. <laughs> I, I don't recall this. Yeah, I mean, are you sure we did? You know, since I, I didn't like get didn't to, since since I didn't get to have a full scapegoat experience with scapegoat. Thankfully, we had Letter Jam. Yes, which which, which is very. It was very filling. And now we're <laughs> going to give you guys a a, a live scapegoat game <laughs> in which in which my two co-hosts throw me under the bus uh-huh. and and describe uh not my best moment okay <laughs> not, the, not the best not the best time not the best things that happened but in that easily game. the best moment of the entire right, night uh, i have played letter jam many times okay and every time we play with five with with five letter words we've always solved it and we've always we've we've never gotten to the last pedal even right we've, we've solved it before we got to the last pedal so i suggested I suggested out of the goodness of my heart that we should play six letters and just, you know, just try and, that. And so I'm just going to give just very a little slight context. When, when Tom says six <laughs> letters, meaning that we all are going to basically start with creating a six letter word out of these. We have all these cards that have one letter on them and we have a bunch of cards. And out of those cards, we're going to create a six letter word. So uh, normally it's five letters, but we do six letters. So I choose my six letter word. Everyone's, Tom chooses Tom his. Chooses uh, his. We have one Dimitri, more. Dimitri, please. But the problem is Matt Patterson and I are having problems making a six letter word with the limited vowels that I have. And I don't know what uh, what uh, Matt Robbins, I mean, uh, Matt Patterson has. But anyway, we're having a little bit more difficult time. Mm. And, you know, there's just this. I don't know. Is it, is it like spell shaming? I, I don't know what there it is. There was a little bit of spell shaming, but you. But here's the thing. You eventually 
found your six letter word, mm-hmm. you came back to the table because you had gone somewhere else. You had to actually lay out your letters so you can understand. Oh, but, he's, but, but he's pointing out that that he thought that I was <laughs> unkind in my yes. Well, because well, because so Matt Patterson, yes, Matt number two, yes, he is trying to come up with a six letter. He can't. He cannot figure it out. I'm giving him just more stacks of letters. Like, can you find something? And he's always like, ah, oh, well, I got this one, but no, 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 that one's a little off. And oh, I'm, I'm sorry, guys, I'm off. I almost got it. All right, uh, no, nah, no. Nah. He's, he's like really struggling. And Tom is sitting there. He's tapping his tapping, tapping the table. Tapping it, it, away. It's like it's like oh oh you know like it, it's only through the grace of my of my like generosity that I can even stand these people. Kind yes. of that attitude. How hard is it? You have to, to understand. Put together a six letter word, which admittedly I was sort of giving that vibe too, but Tom I, was really giving that. Vibe. I have dedicated my life to stamping out illiteracy, so I have a very <laughs> hard time when I when I when I see anything that that approximates that. You have yes. to understand that's what it is. Uh, so it's it's my love for the kids and for reading, and, and so, that, so, so and that came through. We all get our cards. And we all finally ever get the words. We pass the words to the uh, person to the right. right, and so ironically, Matt Patterson gets Tom's word. This will come back later. <laughs> yes. So we go through the whole game. The whole game is we're kind of trying to do which letter we have. And the right? game is and the game goes horribly. It's the game. First of all, since there are since it's a six letter word we're doing, we have we have uh, more letters to deduce in the same amount of time as the five letter game. So we're already like it's already much harder. And when we finally we finally well, and uh, we're getting these weird combinations where nobody has a vowel. Where there's like three H's out of out of six letters, and, and weird, just and weird, like there was one time when we had we had four different vowels, and I'm like, this is bizarre. I've never seen this happen where it, it is yes. so hard to make a word. And everything was also going here. And remember, Dimitri also was like not writing down his letters. Oh yeah, so, <laughs> he decided that night he decided to do everything in his head. He was just like the first thing you do is you write down all the letters, and then you try to figure out the word. And so at one point, really, we're it's all the looking. fourth game blues, right? We're, 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 we shouldn't have played a fourth game, but we did. We were, I mean, we were all a little. No, off. we definitely we should have played this fourth game. <laughs> this was, this was, this was, so finally, so the the way the game goes through. And like, it's just, a, it's already a disaster. We go through all, we run out of our rounds and now we have to like figure, no one's getting their words. Okay. I was very sure that my word was canopy. I was like, it's clearly canopy. And the first letter I turned over, I revealed was a T. So I was like, okay, <laughs> wound up being planet, not canopy. So then, um, so now it's time for. So, ma- so every, everyone, no one gets their word. Nobody. But, but, but I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at uh, Matt, Matt Patterson and he's like, Llamas, llamas, <laughs> but I don't have the right letters for llamas. La llamas, la, and, and then like Tom is just so frustrated with it. It's mammals, and so he we we m a m a l s, and he goes mammals. And, mo- and the moment I see it, I was like, oh no, mammals. Oh no, is mammals a word, Tom? Everything that is insufferable about me has just become so <laughs> wonderfully ironic. It's the worst. And, oh no! And, and, Tom, and Tom goes like, "Oh, I made a mistake. Moving on." And I'm like, "No, we do not move on." And, goes, <laughs> and, we were, and we were trying to maybe be like, "Maybe it's this word." And by and now Dimitri was losing it in the in the funny way. Like he could not stop laughing. He was like, I've, "I don't. It's I don't think I've seen Dimitri, Dimitri laugh this hard except for maybe one other time." And we just. We could not find any word that was suitable. No, it, 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 like the, my favorite moment is not even all that, not the mamas. It's when Tom goes, 
Yeah. It wasn't our best effort. <laughs> no! No! You sit in this! <laughs> you sit it! You know, six words, spell shame. No, you sit it. This is on you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That was great. I mean, that's that's the best, awesome. though, honestly. Like, like that, when those moments, because now we will talk about Mamals forever. We will talk about Mamals forever. <laughs> and, you know, and I think I've learned something today. I think I've learned that my love for the English language can sometimes be... An ugly thing, and, <laughs> and I'm going to have to work a little harder next time to be more concerned with the people and the mamals in your group. Be and the mamal you want to be. I, I want to be a better mamal, yeah, going forward, and to think about people more than letters. I believe the mamals are our future. <laughs> Treat them well, and let them let guide them you, and let them lead the way. Lead the, lead the way. Um, so true. Um, uh, one last bit of, of uh, game night news is that the next day. Um, I had a, an epic Saturday of games in which none were board games. I woke up and was invited by uh, Brian Baldridge, Nick Rivera, we, we, the people that come to our game night fairly frequently. They uh, invited me to the finals of the FA Cup, uh, Chelsea versus Liverpool. Went to a Liverpool bar, 8 a.m. I, I I have to tell you something, guys. I love drinking beer at 8 a.m. in the morning yeah i love drinking beer period that's that, that's tom no uh, there's no uh, but i don't really drink, drink a beer. but I, I mean i only drink on game night that's pretty much sure. it. like well like one night one night a week do i ever have a uh, alcohol i don't i don't even drink when i go to mats yeah. so but i had a couple beers on saturday morning watched a a game that i sort of understand and they were so this this is a Liverpool bar right here in Los Angeles, and it was insane. I mean, it was six deep to get to the bar to get wow. drinks. Absolutely jam packed. They're singing songs. They all know the songs. They're all singing them together. It was an absolute blast. And then I had to rush home because my favorite party of the year uh, I was throwing, which is the Eurovision Song Contest party. Um, back in two thousand and five. Uh, Moira, my wife, uh, lived in Spain for four years. She's uh, fluent in Spanish. And we decided to raise the kids fluent. So we needed to get television options that would show, you know, Spanish language cartoons and things like that, just so the kids would be watching something. So we got this uh, Spanish language thing that had a TV package. It had stuff from Argentina and Bolivia and Costa Rica and Spain. And then one night, as I'm flipping through, I get the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, what the hell is this? It looked like the opening ceremonies for the Olympics on Mars. It was the Eurovision Song Contest in 2005. I had never heard of it, didn't know what it was. But I realized that with this TV package, we can get it. And so I started having parties once I figured out what Eurovision was. Uh, and we would have parties from, I guess, 20... Uh, 2006 to 2013, we would people would dress up. I would I got all the flags so people would represent a country. They would bring a dish from that country. It was a really fun thing, and we hadn't done it in you know seven eight years. And oh, wow, yeah, we, it just kind of flew by the radar for a little. I think what happened was the we didn't have that package anymore. So then I would have to download the recording the, the recording from somebody else and then show it a week later but then i would know who won because what we do is we there's a prizes there are prizes for the best costume and then there are prizes for people who guess closest to the actual top 10 that the europeans choose uh, for that right and, and we did it this time too we gave away uh just one and calico and 
uh, Scott Bomar, Melanie Bomar, so mm-hmm. a friend of the podcast, uh, she won one, and Nick Rivera had an unbelievable showing where he was so close to the actual top ten, it was it was ridiculous. And Eurovision is one of these things that you're watching twenty five under three minute songs from twenty five days. You're watching Moldova, which is this the weirdest punk infused. Moldovan folk music, and you're you're seeing like just the most bizarre things in the world, and then the Europeans are judging them. It's like it's like wavelength, but you're trying to understand an entire continent, right? You're trying to match wavelength with an entire continent, and it's it's absolutely impossible. But you know, by the end of the day, we were all laughing so hard. We were we were crying. We were laughing so hard at the. The, the pluses and the minuses and the who won and the who didn't. And we were just cheering for our favorite songs that we've only heard, you know, once, but suddenly we're, we're standing them so hard. It was absolute. It was, it was epic. And I, I hope you guys will come next year. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. That sounds like a great time. You know, it is. It's a blast. Yeah. I don't know. Like all I know is that I was supposed to go get Korean barbecue the next day with Trey and he backed out because <laughs> he ate too much. At your oh, <laughs> I, I, there I was wanna, a lot of food at Eurovision. I, I, I just want to mention two other games before we move on to the next segment. By all means. Um, because I, I want, I want people to, I'm not gonna say want no, no about them, but like the first game is foundations of Rome. Which I played, uh-huh. um, which is a big, it was a big, big Kickstarter. Um, the it's the same designer as um, Century Spice Road. Um, They're good games. Good games. It's a very big, overproduced, quote unquote, city builder. This is this is what I saw when I saw it on Kickstarter. I saw all of these models of yeah. these buildings. And it brought to mind tapestry for me. Not in the fact that, I mean, the tapestry buildings look ridiculous and these look yeah. cool. But in the same way that the, the miniatures don't move, they don't do anything. They don't do anything. And they, the yeah, that's kind of, it's better than tapestry, I believe. I'm, I was okay. not a bit, I played my first tapestry game recently and I did not really enjoy it that much. But mm. I actually enjoyed this game, but I would not buy it. It's just not my... Only because it's not, it's not my. It doesn't doesn't fill me up the way I want to be filled. Sure. So uh, <laughs> I believe, like you know, uh, when you were playing Tapestry, I got some text where you go like, "This game is killing me." <laughs> yeah, I had like a a, a a very negative reaction, but since we're on a platform and I want to be diplomatic to people, I'm just gonna say, do not love it. But um, I the, love Jerry. J- I love Jamie Stegmar. I love everything that he does for the industry. I think that game's a dog. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's okay. It not was, everything. Not everything not, not I write is, is going to be successful. Not everything we create and, is going to be a winner. And there are people who love it. I think Matt said he likes it a lot. Matt Robinson. He does. It, yeah. Maybe? Yeah. But either way, it's very so, concerning. But 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 this game, <laughs> this game is. Uh, I'm bringing it up. One of the reasons why I'm bringing it up is because. It's actually, it feels, it's actually a very gateway kind of game. It's very, very simple. And so for all the size and grandeur about it, to me, it's about as complex as Ticket to Ride. So um, for people who are interested in that kind of thing, um, it could be a great option, but it is expensive. I wish they would come out with a consumer level one that did not have the minis because for me, the game, 
is like promising city building, but it doesn't deliver any of the fun of city building of synergies and things like a sort of a dynamic world. And I didn't find that I sort of looked back at the board and thought, look at this city we created. When I looked back at the board, it was just like a whole bunch of plastic. It's not how I felt with Magnate, where Magnate sort of, you could argue that the, the minis and Magnate don't do anything either, but I felt like with Magnate, since I felt like I was building a city, I mm. felt like at the end I would look back and the minis served a purpose in that it brought the game alive to me, whereas these didn't. Right. But um, if they were to, uh, you know, sort of come out with a consumer level one that you could get at Target, it might be a fun one for the family. Okay. And the other game I wanted to mention was Nemesis Lockdown. And I'm really only going to mention it in the first podcast. We did a whole thing about this. We don't have to go into a whole thing. The only the only thing that's important to know about well, Nemesis... we'll bring it back up again because okay. it, it fits into our, our topic. And I, I think that's really the perfect place for it. To but, but that's no, a good idea. But, but, the, but, but say it. The only, thing, the only reason why I'm really bringing it up is because I managed to deceive Paul and the entire table and, and be completely duplicitous. And the amount of joy I got... Was, was palpable was like you, so on a level on a level like I, I was like I even though the game itself I could take it or leave it mm. I emerged from that game night feeling like you know I had just won Eurovision itself there are fewer feelings greater than that really yeah. when you've when you've truly deceived your fellow man I just like committed a it was like a two hour con that I was doing and yeah. I just was oh it was, it was delicious for me now do you feel that if you had not been doing high intensity interval training with with Avalon for all these low many years now, mm-hmm. do you think you've been able to accomplish it quite so quite so well, or do you think that we have we have prepared you properly for the ultimate in duplicity? Well, you know what, uh, you know, I also have some reps with Dead of Winter, which I think sure. helped, and we can talk about that one later as well. Yep. But it was just uh, to have a moment in that game where like there's a little piece of cardboard gets flipped over, and it's like, guess what? that's the spaceship that's leaving and I'm the one that's in it and you guys all die. It was just, <laughs> I was like, oh man. I it was, was a good high. moment. It was a good moment. This is what I say about Avalon though. What, what Avalon is, is that, is that strip out the spaceship and the miniatures and the this and the that and the other thing. Like, like take, take Battlestar Galactica, boil it down to just the can I trust you or can I not trust you. Take Nemesis, boil it down to just can I trust you, can I not trust you. Dead of Winter, yes. same thing. And practicing that alone is you know is worth that was the great joy of your game the great joy of your game was not the other stuff it was that yeah i I have to say like uh like at being left because because the planet didn't blow up i was just basically being eaten alive by you know the the alien that had emerge from Jake's stomach. <laughs> Matt was already dead. You know, Jake had just died and I was the only one left and and seeing Ben fly off into the stratosphere through the window as like, you know, I'm being mauled by like, you know, the stomach bug from Jake's like, you yes. know, like... Un- I had one inside me too, but I just, we coexisted well. Yeah, and, and I, was like, I was going like, this is cinematic. And actually, I, okay, one other point that was very funny about that game was, you know, I, I didn't, Love the game because there were just too many fussy rules about like if you're in the dark, then you'll get this sort of injury. But if you're in the light, you won't. But if you get this, then this monster. There's all these crazy rules to sort of generate a video game experience. Which in which in wargaming we call Chrome, right? Chrome. That's what it is. It's yeah. those little rules. But the thing that was so funny, this is a game with like a lot of die rolls, and like everything in this game is like an alien appeared. Uh, this is on fire. This is that. And like the entire game for two hours, everything was chaotic was happening to everyone else and for some reason my i was playing an like a janitor of something 
I was just walking through this compound <laughs> as if it was the mall. Nothing bad happened to me. Every time there was going to be danger, it was like, oh, no alien appeared. Oh, you didn't get hurt. Like, I just had this, like, <laughs> game of immense privilege where just everything worked out. And it was pretty funny that Paul was just literally getting, like, Paul would be in a room and I'm just, like, catch on fire. <laughs> and so, I would just be So like, Paul had the same karma that he's currently having in real life. Like, like, yes. The, the, a lot of people... <laughs> think that like karma is like oh you're paying for some past sins but in fact i have to believe that this is investment into something to a great windfall to the, to the great future that's it, right, it could also right, be right. it could also be making a down payment for a glorious future it's the pendulum yeah, swinging. exactly so, so I'm, I'm, I'm choosing to frame it that way because otherwise <laughs> i will go mad well um we are taking even longer than we did on the last episode so yes. let us let us run through a couple items in the news do it Good evening, Mr. Mr. North of South America. All the tips and tricks of the sea. Let's go to press play. News. Uh, we already mentioned our f- dear friend Candace. Candace uh, is selling Tribune this week. But even <laughs> though she line. is doing that, there is a bit of news for her. She's got a new episode of Cardboard Creations. She's got the great designer, Tom Lehman, the designer of Race for the Galaxy. And she is talking to him. Um, about some, I don't know, some obscure game I've never heard of called Race Arcana, evidently. I don't know. I'm not really familiar with this provenance or anything like that, but it, it doesn't sound particularly good to me. But the interview is fantastic. You guys should the, all... The sarcasm is Tom hates Race Arcana. It's a fine game, but it's like it's like trying to pick on, like, you know, like a, like a blueberry muffin. <laughs> I, will, I will do that. I will do that. And it was like, it's like, depends on the muffin. You know, I hate muffins, but blueberry, they're the worst. You know, that's, that's what, this is exactly what Tom's those. doing. It's just so crazy to me. Is it better or worse than tapestry? Oh, oh, it is. A, I would play it a hundred times before I played tapestry again. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not a bad game. It's. I'm, it, it really is not a bad game. It's just I. I love Race for the Galaxy. I think that it, it is. It's amazing, and I don't. I don't love Race Arcana. I don't. No, I just don't. That's all there is. Didn't to work it. for you. But cardboard creations goes into the design decisions of it. I just think every every episode of cardboard creations is fantastic, and we wanted to make sure that you guys know so that you can check it out. I think you really Candace. like this. Absolutely. Um, uh, next up, Trailblazer, uh, the John Muir Trail. This is a game that is in the same series as the game Parks and the game Trails, <laughs> which is they're light. They're, they're super. They're so. They're such they're little... aerobically friendly. <laughs> do you know, do you guys know what aerogel is? I do know what aerogel is. Yes, it is the it is the least uh, it is the least matter of, of anything that is solid, right? It, it is it is the least dense, barely matter. Yeah, barely, barely solid, matter. barely solid. Yes, barely solid. And it is it, those games are like that for games. They're like barely games. They're the, the <laughs> least amount. Uh, of of an exp- they're an experience. They're gorgeous. They're beautiful to look at, but they're not. They're not. They're so light that they're a souffle, right? And all that sort of stuff. John Deere Trail is is different. Trailblazer is uh, their step up into more gaming. No so you are trying to hike the John Muir Trail. So you have to have water and food and supplies and things can happen like you can get lost you can get injured different things can happen um and so there is a planning aspect to the game there is a strategic play aspect to the game and if you do not make it to the end of the trail you get no points no points that you have are 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 scored for you so in a way the game is a little bit of a puzzle to figure out with the resources that i have with all the things with the way things are laid out how am i going to traverse this and uh, listen, I think the art on these games is absolutely fantastic. They are 
beautiful and they feel great and they look great on the table. They're really good for bringing in casual gamers. And I think uh, coming up with a game like this that is a step up in terms of complexity that is still, it's nowhere near a, a harder difficult game, but it has some, some, it has some meat on them, on, on them bones. I mean, I, you, you say it, I think Ticket to Ride. You know, that's I, like I don't know if it's it's probably a little more complicated than Ticket to Ride, but like you know, uh, if I go like, oh, here to to a, a new gamer, Ticket to Ride. Here, you're going to make routes with these trains, and you know, you're going to span across America or Germany or whatever. Uh, I can imagine going like, hey, here's the job. You're going to walk <laughs> and potentially die. <laughs> and, and and if you and if you don't make it to the end, you'll score no points. I'll tell you, <laughs> Magic Ticket to Ride had like a death element. Dude, hiking is a thing, though. I mean, oh, Mel- I, Melanie Bomar has hiked most of the John Muir Trail uh, with her with her husband, Scott, and they have a cabin up in the mountains that is essentially on it, no. and they're now boarding people. They're sure. now bringing people in to, to, to have lodging and feed them a little bit before they head back out onto the trail. It's a subculture. Like, I have a friend who walked the, the PCH, you know, the Pacific Coast. The highway. No, the the, the PCT. I mean, I walked, PCT, yeah, yeah. I walked to CVS the other day. I mean, I'm telling yeah, you, right. it's be a board the, the, game. The CVS, is a, it's, My, a, it's a hard walk. It's there a are there are two hikes that are UNESCO World Heritage designation, right? One is the Camino de Santiago in Spain, which my wife has has hiked. Uh, and then the second one is the one I want to do, the Camano Cotto. The Camano Cotto is in a, is in a, a really... Uh, a, rural part of japan and you're climbing up mountains to these temples and you're climbing down mountains to these little little towns where you stay with 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 families and yokans and they they give you those onigiri though the the triangular rice triangular rice things with 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 food and miso soup and oh that sounds so good it sounds so good that's what i want to do that's what i want to do it sounds like a great i mean i'm in it for the soup yeah paul you in I mean, I'll walk, but, you know, the last time we went to Japan, like, uh, <laughs> my feet did not survive. Like, you know. Uh, like, they didn't survive day one. Yeah, that was I the know. problem. And, we, we, you know, we were walking up some, uh, was it, was it a cat shrine mountain or whatever? Like, it had all these. There were there were several thousand mori, which are yeah. the the uh, square shrine things that you pass mm-hmm. under. And, and they were all over the mountain, literally everywhere you go. It is nothing but a hall of those things all the way up a mountain, all the way up to the top of the... Wow. Oh. It, was, it, was, it was great. Like, you know, like we had a lot of fun. It was uh, Matt too, Tom, myself, Alfred, like, you know, like Game Brain, you mm-hmm. know, and then we, got, we went to play, like teach you at Osaka Castle. It, it was great. Did you complain uh, because of your blistered feet? I don't know. Like, like, like is it, this it, the it, source of the karma? You complain, you, you brought no, negativity no. to the Moris? I, I, no, it, it could here's be. The, here's the thing. Paul... Paul would let us know that we had a man down. He would, he, you know, he, he, we were slower, you know, dealing with that. But he, Paul is not a complainer. Mm-hmm. Paul is not a complainer in that in, in that sense at all. He is a he is a gamer. Like he's like he will he will bring it up a couple times a day to make sure that you're aware that he is still in in unbelievable agony mm-hmm. and every step feels like a thousand steps. It never changed my plan. Mm. <laughs> Are they? But, but but you know we had things to do. Yeah. I had a whole I had a whole plan for yeah. our, our ten days. It was me and Matt Patterson and Paul and Alfred tooling around Japan, having a having a blast. We had yeah. we had sushi at Jiro's sushi for Paul's birthday. It was amazing. 
Um, I have a question. Is it Mori or is it Tori? The, the... Tori, Tori. Okay. Sorry. Because uh, no, I no, I was just gonna say I, I just the only reason why I brought that up because I just don't want yes. people sitting yes, at yes. home being like Tori, Tori. Sorry. You're dead on right. Sorry about that. <laughs> My bad. It's okay. It's all good. Uh... Wow. I'm glad you didn't put it in as your word for letterpress. That's all I'm saying. Letter jam. I'm sorry. Um, Mamals, Mamals, and <laughs> it's, Mori. It's bad. It's bad. Wow. Oh man. Um, yeah. So, jump your jump your jump your trail. Uh, next up is the thing. So there have been several the thing board games that have been out. There was one back in 2011, 2012. Uh, the thing itself, uh, which was a movie in the 50s, and then um, a famous uh, adaptation by John Carpenter in the 80s, uh, is actually based on a famous uh, Campbell short story called Who Goes There? And there was actually a board game called Who Goes There? Which is the same sort of thing. And then just a couple years ago, there was uh, the thing, out uh, Outbreak at Outpost, something or other, uh, that was recently. Um, so why are they doing the thing again? And why am I bringing it up? Well, I'm bringing it up because I took a look at it. And it looks really interesting. So Hidden Trader, right? We know, we, we talked about Hidden Trader games every episode of this podcast. We, we love them when they work really well. The cool thing about this one is, first of all, that the alien, the bad guy, can spread. So there can be more bad guys, which is kind of cool. But the really cool thing is that we're at this Antarctic base, and we have to fix it. Things are going wrong. We have to, we have to keep it up. And the, the dynamic in the game is that when you put one person in a place to fix something, you get, it gets one point better. If you put two people there, it gets three points better. If you put three people there, it gets six points better. So there is a mechanism in the game whereby in order to survive to some degree, you're going to have to pair people up. You're going to have to put people in groups, and groups are where the thing wants you to be. That's how it's going to get you. And Like the rhythm? <laughs> the, the rhythm the, does work better with the larger rhythm groups. Is, the rhythm is... <laughs> You know, laugh while you may. The rhythm is going to get that's you, right. Gloria. That's that's how it's going to go. And I think that's a really great mechanic. I think that's a really interesting way to skin that particular cat. You know, it's like the it's in every horror movie. It's like, don't go in the basement. Why are you splitting up? The thing is one of those things that works counterintuitively, where it's like, no, don't go somewhere with just one person. No, this game, yes. this game is showing you why you do that because there's mm-hmm. a there's an in-game aspect to that, which I think is pretty great. That seems like a good one to keep an eye on because that could be that could work out really well. Yeah. Plus, I I love playing the role playing the thing. You know, like when I play Jaws, I'm all in 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 Jaws land. All in in Quinn. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, you got you got city hands, chief. <laughs> Um, uh, next up is a uh, D&D game, Dragonlance, the board game, uh, it, who is designed by Stephen Baker and Rob Davio of, um, of Pandemic. Pandemic. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Speaking of things spreading. Yeah. Yeah. So evidently this, this game, first of all, it's Dragonlance, which is Dungeons and Dragons, but it's also uh, Dungeons and Dragons with a lot of story background. Uh, uh, Weiss and Hickman, uh, or Hickman and Weiss wrote the Dragonlance books. They're they're quite well-received and quite loved. Um, so that might be a cut above. The fact that Davio is is doing some of the rules and some of the ways that the game works, I think, is a great addition. And 
if you play Dungeons and Dragons like I currently do, you can also um, sort of de-board game it and it can become a Dungeons and Dragons setting slash playing area for your game, which I think is, is, is pretty cool. Anyway, if you are into that, it's not really the, the, the things that we're into particularly, but I think it might be something to check out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't know. Dungeons and Dragons is my favorite uh, like setting. If you, if you had a choice of being in any like setting, where would you go? Like, you know, would you live in Mad Max times? Very few people will say that. Like, you know, where would you? Star Wars times? I, I don't know. Like, uh, I, I think Dungeons and Dragons and Star Trek are mine. I think Star Wars times actually is probably, probably it's not post-apocalyptic. No, it's no. The, Star the, Wars? I would, if yeah. I were in this, I would go to that, like, cool planet with all the casinos that was in A Force Awakens. I'd be like, yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a great place for me. Zero question, I would be in the fifth element. I've never seen it, actually. Isn't that crazy? <gasps> I know. I, 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 I think that's a bad choice. Why? It's fantastic. Ruby Rod, Flossum Paradise. It's a, it's a, except for the one evil thing, which they took care of. That's like, done. Like, like, like you're going to live like Bruce Willis in like, uh, that, that, like that studio apartment, you know, that like, listen, by the way, let's be, let's be clear. You might live like that. I'm going to be on Flossum Paradise. Wait, Paul, there's no electricity in Dungeons and Dragons. So, yeah, but there's magic. <laughs> but there's like, but isn't maybe there like you a modern magic? Isn't there like a modern magic where you can also check yeah, your email? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. What about Harry Potter? It's called Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. Harry exactly. Potter. Yeah. Harry Potter. Because there's like, it's British, which is nice. You can go home on break and you can check email. Yeah, Harry Potter. I, I, I choose Harry Potter. Very good. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I want, I there are no wrong answers. Email. Ben, there are no wrong answers. There, except just, for the with Fifth Element. <laughs> they're just extremely wrong answers. Oh, At man. least no one said Avatar. Mm, yeah, no. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go Avatar. I'm not no, gonna go that way. No. I don't think a lot of people do that. No, no. I might go Gattaca. Oh yeah, that's very stylish. Yeah, yeah. Gattaca's no, cool. We're sort no, of, we sort of are in Gattaca, nice. though. Like, uh, well, here's the thing. I think I think Ben and my jeans are are pretty good. I think they'll stack up pretty well. Yeah, I think we'll, I think we'll do just fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I still choose uh, uh, Harry Potter because you get magic and email. I understood. Understood. Um, I just like the fact that they wear three-piece suits to to go on a rocket ship. I think that's wonderful. Yeah, and it's a very chill rocket ship. It's just like you're just quietly. It's like an elevator, essentially. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, let's you would do well in Logan's Run. You would just be part of the carousel, and <laughs> that will be it. <laughs> uh, we're all too old for carousel. We're all, you know, we're already. So, so we're already winning. Well, or we're already out in, in the cat land. Yeah, that's, right. The, that's right. Mm-hmm. Anyway. On the world. And uh, let's get to the review. Let's do it. We're, ostensibly, this is a board game a board game podcast, so we're going to talk about board games a little bit. Uh, the review is a game called Crisis. Crisis is from 2016, and the designers are Pentelis Bubulus and Soterius Santalis. Uh, so close to it. You were almost. very close. You did much. This is the best one you've done. Of well, those. like the last of episode, there was the last episode. There was a few fumbles. Yeah, the last episode, like Tom actually tried this for an hour. Centillus, yeah. uh, uh, and and he still didn't get it. But he was able, like he was able to conjure up something because of all the the, the syllables. He, he basically can speak Greek now. <laughs> Opa. Opa. That's all I got. That's all I got. Um, ben, why don't you tell us a little bit about Crisis? 
Okay, so Crisis is a semi-cooperative game. Ish. Uh, ish, yeah, which we'll dive into all that. But basically, um, it takes place in the uh, the fictional, but heavily based upon Greece, uh, country of Axia. Which, and this, by the way, takes place, if you look at the box cover, it's very Fifth Element. It's like f- driving taxis, like float- flying taxis and things like that. And this country of Axia is on the verge of economic collapse. And then we are all playing as industrialists to save Axia, save ourselves, etc. And this was a game that um, I had heard about a few years ago. It had been on my radar for a few years. Sort of, um, it wasn't readily available for a long time. It, then it sort of it made its way into it's the BGG still kind shop. Of hard to find. Yeah, I think you can get it from the BGG shop. I should have looked into that before this uh, episode. Tom, you can. While look you that keep up. talking, I will tell you. Yeah, look that up. Um, but it, it was a Kickstarter. I think came from 2016 or so, and um, I had seen some videos of it. And I thought, gosh, this game's pretty cool. And I don't know why I never pulled the trigger. Maybe just I just. It just wasn't available whenever what the times when I was thinking about getting it. But um, uh, back in March, I was up in San Francisco to do a show for Watcher Crappens, and uh, we were doing uh, performing at a theater. And there was a board game shop uh, like a block away. I wish I could remember the name of the shop. Um, I had mentioned it a few episodes ago, and so I decided I was like, you know, before the show, I'm going to drop in the board game shop, and. Normally, when I go to a board game store, there's like a whole ritualized element of where I do several laps. Mm-hmm. You know, the first lap, you see some some of the games, but like you never know. And like sometimes it takes like four laps before you find that one thing that's hidden in there, you know? The, the great game is only in your peripheral. You can't see it if you're looking right at it. Yeah. So I was secretly hoping it would be a bad board game shop. So that way I would know immediately it's not going to have what I, what I, anything interesting. And it was a great shop. It had, it had like... It had Irish Gage and Iberian Gage, like the games that like nice. you don't normally see in typical sort of board game shops, like oh, a yeah. lot of Euros and train games. I and, mean, it's like, not quite finding roads and boats in Kansas City. Well, there's that too, and I still <laughs> haven't played my copy of it yet. I'm sorry. But that is that's true. That is that is the ultimate. That's the thing. ultimate. Like it, just, it, was, it wasn't even the Kansas City; it was Lawrence, Kansas, where oh I my found God. it. But um, so I did my lap, and. Then uh, my second lap, there it was. I saw Crisis. I was like, "This is a game. It's been on my radar for several years. I know it. I know it when you, you know it when you see it." I'm like, "I'm getting Crisis." <laughs> so I got it, and I like brought it with me to the to the show, and like I was walking around with it at the after party and everything, and it was it was like a game of fate. So it was very exciting to me that um, to to bring it to the group, and not only to bring it to the group, but that it was so well received that it actually got elevated to getting a review right here, right now. It sure is. Uh, it is on the Geek Store. Actually, $70 okay. is, is, is what it costs, which is uh, it, it's pricey for what you get, but... But there's a lot of wood in the game, too. There's a lot of wood, but yeah, there's it's a little some, pricey. Some, there's some wood. Yeah. There's, a yeah. few, there's a few things. Maybe 55 would be. So Crisis takes place in the city, the futuristic city, a country of Axia. City-state. City-state, perhaps. State, <laughs> perhaps. Uh, Axia has been doing well, as you can see by the... Let's... let's Let's say it. The board is busy. It is there is a graphic design problem in the game that you know the the, the likes of Ian O'Toole would have a heart attack looking at it, it because a... it, it is hard to see where the game is played versus the background art. And they even have a second side where the background art is sort of like sepia tone, so it makes it a little bit easier, but. It's a little tricky. A little tricky. Uh, the yeah, the better know. one is is only five percent more usable than the other one. I don't know. Like I, I feel like it goes with the theme. Uh, and from you know, 
country and car- city state in crisis. My apologies. Uh, and uh, as opposed to like, say, was it Hong Kong blackout? Blackout, Hong, blackout Kong. Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah, like like that one was. I was like, oh, this is just makes me sad to look at because it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just like, dark. It's, it's just black. It was like asphalt. It was and like and, and, and asphalt. even though that was thematic, like you know, I was going like, oh, I don't want to look at this. I don't care. A, I don't care if it's thematic, but like, I feel like with this, like you know, it is dour. But like it's designed. You, 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 there's a. I actually I don't, don't know, think I don't it's dour. I don't I think, think it's dour at all. Almost cartoony, but it's it's just it's. I think the first play, it's a little tricky. I mean, I got used to it, but like yeah. you know, it's, it looks it's like a tricky. Kira. But the thing is, is that it's the usability of it that's the problem. Usability. Right? It's sometimes hard to know like what actions are with what area a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. And, but it's not not the biggest thing in the world. But, but anyway, the, sure. the the basics of the game is that uh, Axia is in the beginning of a crisis, that things are going to start going badly here and we are uh we we have come out of Galt's Gulch. We are the Ayn Rand superheroes that are going to come and save the day. We're the capitalists, capitalists the, the movers and shakers, the, yeah. the heroes of society, the prime movers, yeah, the job creators. That's right. And we are going to save society by building businesses and hiring workers to work in those businesses. And we're going to lift ourselves up by our bootstraps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think the, we're going to lift ourselves up by your bootstraps. By your bootstraps. <laughs> by your bootstraps. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to use someone else's boots. Because like, we so, we're, we're hiring. We're, we're picking workers for free. So <laughs> kind of. Well, well, no, but there are foreign workers that come they, in that they, we pay. It costs, it costs a little bit to import them. Yeah. It yeah. does. Which is actually kind of the opposite of the way the, sure. the way it is here, right? That you is get a true. discount on it. But uh, anyway, so yeah, so there is a track. There are several tracks in the game, but one of the tracks in the game is the current state of the health of Axia's economy. And it is a scale that goes from 1 to 40 or 1 to 45, something like that. Something like that. And it starts on 31. So it starts in the green zone, but it's only one space away from the yellow zone. And oh my goodness, it could get down to the red zone. And then we're in big, big trouble. And what we're going to be doing is we have four managers, four meeples that we're going to be able to put out on the board as a worker placement, uh, very simply. And what can we do with those worker placements? Well, we could get some money. We can take out a loan. We can uh, hire workers. We can buy industries. We can buy the resources that we're going to need to run those industries. Uh, and we can secure uh, exports where we can export the things that we create to help the economy and to help us to more money. That's essentially the actions yeah. of the game right there when it comes it's, right down to it. It's pretty simple, and you're just trying. You're, it, it's, it's like a very classic, straightforward worker placement game. Like It's just like there are spots. You've got workers. Your some spots get your resources. Some spots you use your resources, and that's all you're doing. But the, the sort of the, the 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 little thing which you have been talking about here, the the shtick, is that if that country health meter goes all the way down into the red and hits zero, it goes from thirty one and winds up down at zero. The game ends, yes. and then and then so there is an element of this game of like I got to keep. This everything I'm doing, I've got to do it to keep this country alive, so that I have a chance to win this game. Yeah, and and that's that is I I believe the biggest shtick going on in this situation. Hundred percent. There are three main ways that. Uh, well, first, how does Axia's economy fall or rise? Yes, it falls or rises by our own victory points, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Each round of the game, there is a goal 
of the amount of victory points we have to get on average as a group. Yeah. Um, and the game, by the way, comes with cards that you can choose the difficulty. You can choose the easy, medium, or hard difficulty for any player count. And that literally is just going to be, okay, this round you have to get up to 30 victory points. And then everyone is trying to do that. And there are ways to get vic- more victory points or less victory points. The ways to get victory points tend to be things like buying a company. When you buy a company, there's a bunch of victory points that come with that. Um, work operating some companies like resorts generates mm-hmm. victory points just in the operation of that company in and of itself. And then exports. When you are generating a company that doesn't get victory points all by itself, but rather produces goods, there is an export market where you can export those goods and get victory points that way. Those are the ways to get victory points, but there are also a bunch of ways to lose victory points. Many, many ways to lose victory <laughs> so points. So many ways to lose victory points. Um, a, a lot of these businesses are going to require materials. They're going to require food, or they're going to require minerals, or they're going to require chemicals in order to operate. And sometimes you're going to have to buy those things. And when you do, it doesn't just cost money. It costs victory points, and quite a lot of victory points when, you, when, when it comes right down to it. Yeah, yes. there's some resources it'll cost you like six points so just to buy them, you yeah. know. And so you're the game is constantly pulling you in this direction between um, doing sort of what you want to do, which a lot of times will cost you victory points. Like mm-hmm. a lot of times, it's like, oh, if I just had that chemical, I could run this company, but it'll cost me s- several points, and that'll be bad for me and bad for the the game state. Um, versus doing what you should be doing, which is perhaps exporting some stuff for f- less money, but you're going to be gaining points that way you're going to be boosting the the game state. Uh, it's a very, very tricky and difficult balance to to hit. Because at the end of the round, we're going to look at the victory points and see how close or far we are from the target. Let's suppose Paul this round ended up two above the target. Ben, you ended two below the target, and I ended four below the target. We add it all up, and we realize, oh, we missed it by four because your mm-hmm. pl- Ben's uh, minus two and Paul's plus two cancel each other out. So my minus four is minus four. Axia's economy is going to go down four steps toward zero. Yeah. Which is really, really interesting because in a lot of these games, and we'll talk about this more when we talk about semi-co-ops, but in a lot of these games, there is a selfishness versus selflessness aspect to things. But in this game, the thing that hurts the economy also hurts the player, mm-hmm. right? In games like Republic of Rome, the, the thing that hurts the Rome isn't what hurts the player. You have to stop doing the thing that helps you in order to help Rome. And this isn't quite that way. Because the deal is is that if you get to the end of the game and actually it doesn't collapse, then you are going to count up victory points that you already have. You're also going to get minus points for any loans that you've taken out, but you're going to get plus points for all of the money that you've accumulated. And there are banks, there are trains, there are spaceports, there are all sorts of things that generate a lot of money in the game. So you could end up having 20 points worth of victory points Mm -hmm. in money alone, but you're not going to see any of that if the economy collapses. And there's also a decision point. Let's part of the game is trying to anticipate if and when this game is going to collapse. Yes. Because 
Um, I would say that the, 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 the worker placement is like how we do the actions, but sort of like the heart of the game is that we're collecting these industries and we're running these industries. We're putting workers and we're putting employees and resources into these, into these companies and then we're producing stuff. And then you choose like, how much stuff am I going to sell off for cash? How much for victory points? How much am I going to keep for the next round? And so when we don't know when the game is going to collapse, that is that becomes a decision about how do we use our resources? Because a lot of times you want to keep your resources for the next round. Resources are so expensive and they cost so many points that to to, to not keep some for the next round, mm-hmm. that's that's a big issue. And so not knowing when the game is going to crash is tricky because then you don't know is this the time when I should just clear house and get as much money and as many money and points as I can for these things? Or do I hold on to them? And it's a really interesting decision that I don't think is really even apparent when you first pitch this game to people, you don't even realize that that's actually a, a crucial, crucial decision and a meaty one. And one that I really like a lot. Yeah. The, the businesses that you are buying, you want to try and find synergy. Like you want to find, if you have a resort, that resort is going to require food and energy every single round. If you do not have another business that, a farm that generates food or a power plant that generates energy, then you are constantly going to have to use one of your managers to get the things that you don't have. And if it's food or something like that, you're losing victory points each round. You're losing victory points to gain victory points and it becomes... It becomes a really big problem, doesn't it? Sure. Like, 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 but that's the game, right? The game is ultimately you are in a place, a, you know, like in a fifth element city. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the Paradise. Paradise. Uh, and, uh, and what's happening is like, like, and this is what I enjoy about the game the most, is that round one, you go like, oh, I have four, four, four meeples. I can do whatever. No. Because like you have to you have to score immediately, or you, or you're gonna slide into the the yellow, and it you're gonna have to buy an industry, you're gonna have to buy or get people who to run it, and you're gonna need the raw materials. That gives you, and then you're gonna have to spend the person to uh, to go to the exports to, to yep. sell. So all your meeples are already spoken for, and that assumes that you get everything you need because you have. Four to three to four other people trying to do the same thing. Yeah. So and you're all, not going to get what you need. I'm it, just telling you that right now. You're not going to get what you need. And, and so, like, so you know, there are like, like I, I use uh, Year of the Dragon as an example. Like in Year of the Dragon, you get two years to prep before all the calamities happen. Yeah. This you get basically. You want to start? That's it. You're in it. Yeah. And, and so, and so there's there's such a a, a rich punch in the nose of like. Of like, oh, we're it, you feel like you're 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 already drowning. And it's, the, and it's not unusual in the first round of the game for Axia to go from thirty one on the uh, on the stability mm-hmm. track all the way down to fifteen yeah. or or even lower. Yeah, and because if you think about it, let's say you're playing with four players and everyone needs to get to let's say everyone needs to get to thirty one on the victory points in order to to excel or be good for the country. And let's say everyone's at makes it to 29. And so you look at it on the board and all the pieces are stacked up on 29, just two spots below 31. And you thought, hey, we did, you know, we didn't quite do it, but we did a pretty good job. But minus two, minus, minus two, two, minus two. You're actually taking eight down. And if you only have each, if you take eight down every round, you're only going to make it three and a half rounds or so. Correct. You know? Yeah. So I have like, a seven round game. 
Yeah. So like it's it's really, really difficult. And that's sort of what I I think this like combination of this really brutal worker placement and that like you're not yeah. gonna get what you need with not knowing when the game is going to explode on you and then not knowing you don't know is this when I when I sell all my resources, do I keep it for next round and and I don't even know what's coming next round. There's a huge amount of uncertainty and it creates this like stress. Yeah. That I love, like that fun game, board game stress. Yeah, I mean, it is, a, it is a great worker placement game is a worker placement game in which you are looking and you have three things you have to do this round. And you are biting your nails trying to figure out what's the one I take first. And when I do, how many of the other two are going to be gone then yes. by the time it gets back around to me? And odds are maybe both of them are good. Both and that, of the other ones that decision space in this game is here. Yeah. Like, and, and so and it's so big here, like in terms of like you feel that so in such a big way that it's, it gives me what I love the most about a worker placement game, which is that, that sense of stakes. They're so high in this game. They feel high. And, uh, you know, it's like, I, I, I feel like it's giving me the same vibes as barrage in a certain way. Like mm-hmm. I feel like when barrage, Everything I do, I'm giving up just immense, wonderful other opportunities. And I, I feel that very strongly here in a way that's that's excellent. Hmm. Uh, so uh, let's let's get to some of the negatives on it. Because, sure. And But before we get to that, let's just say I played this like six times. You played it several times. I haven't played it with anybody that didn't love it. I haven't played, I played with, with any- some people who are, who are a little met on it. But I just right. don't think it was their – I don't think it's like their type of game. Right. You know? Yeah, everybody I introduced it to was like, wow, this is really fun. Yeah. This is really good. Um, that said, because the okay, the econ- the economic engine of the game is really strong. You're you're you get a, a company and it requires a worker to work it. Mm-hmm. And it requires often resources to also work it. But then there are other spaces that are optional where you can put other workers in that will increase the output increase the efficiency of that and each one of those workers is is an action to get in the first place and the workers are plus one plus two plus three they're 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 variable in and of themselves it's a really great economic model that is really simple and really really effective and i love that i i think that's really great it reminds me a little bit of even though it's not as brutal as it uh, age of steam in in terms of the elegance of the model it's like a really simple design easy to understand but the implications of that model are really hard the only problem for me is that there's a lot of random and luck based things that are in the game there are for instance these cards that you can go to spaces and get uh, what are they called Influ- influence cards I influence think. cards influence. yeah um, the influence cards are maybe too good, right? I think the influence cards in general, you're getting at least an, a worker placement value out of that card every time you draw one just about uh, than you are doing anything else. I mean, I think maybe the cards are worth slightly more than a worker placement in some ways, which is not not the best. There are also events. Each round begins with an event, and that event is going to do things like it's going to cost you money based on how many employees you have, or it's going or you to can't have lo- you can't take loans, and you can't get you can't the bank is closed. It you will close off spaces on the board <laughs> that you cannot oh. see or predict are coming. And the problem is, is that when you have a good so economic funny. engine game, um, those little things 
can be friction points in the bad way, in the, in the way that, well, I played the game properly, and now the game is just punching me in the nose for for no good reason, right? Uh, you know, I, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna disagree. That's fine. I'm gonna uh, in that I, what you said is absolutely true. I feel like there is a a randomness in the in the cards, and the severity of the randomness is pretty uh, big. And like you know, the, the your your new cards that you, your influence cards can be pretty swingy, but you know, to be fair, you are in an economic crisis. Like, you know, in what in what scenario do you feel like there's an economic crisis and everything goes the way you, you think it's going to go? As opposed to most economic games, like, oh, he, he, it, it probably starts more in the beginning or golden age of the economy where you're like, I'm going to start a business mm-hmm. in a completely stable environment that, like, you know, and like, oh, I, I didn't sell all my shoes. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> but the economic model of the game in and of itself, even without those random mm-hmm. elements, is still super hard to survive. So well, it's it's. You, I, I I don't disagree with that. Yeah. Like you know, I I believe that there there is a flop where you're just not going to make it. Like you know, like you can like you know like <laughs> I mean it's true. Like what will happen is like on occasion you'll get a flop where there are two viable uh, two viable industries and like everything else is not viable. Two people get that, and the other people who are left are fighting over these non viable strategies. Sure, they go down, they go down, and they can't recover. Those two people make their billions and fly, flee off to Switzerland, where Celine Dion apparently is. A, <laughs> this is a callback from our first. You know. Yeah, that's a, that a callback. Celine Dion was, was one of the winners of Eurovision one year for Switzerland. For and, Switzerland, and and everyone that blew was like, my what? mind. Yeah. Switzerland, but um, uh, yeah, I, I agree. It's I, I sort of am like yes and for everything because I understand that the randomness would be very frustrating for certain players. It doesn't frustrate me. I think it's sort of one of the interesting um, things you have to navigate in the game. But uh, and I I know that last week's episode Trey had said that he and I, I'm I'm gonna try to get it right that that the game had it didn't feel like it was a it could be a competitive game and therefore like it it wasn't maybe. Then hadn't unlocked to what to being the next. Yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to. No, 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 because because what I'm saying is kind of in 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 line with what he's saying, which is I will paraphrase it a different way, and hopefully it will be very similar to what he's talking about, which is that the bones of the game, the design of the game, is so good that in our in in our plays of it. It wants to be a heavier game than it is, and the random elements are the thing that is holding it back and keeping it firmly in midweight. Right. And, and but but it's a fan, it's a midweight game that I really want to play. So, so my right. question and the competitiveness for me, like the question of is it like it can't be a competitive game because of these random things? For me, it's not. That's not an issue because mm. I don't I don't think I weigh. Uh, competitiveness in the same I, I don't think I, I value it in the same way so for me I don't I, I'm not having any issues with the randomness and that's not even to say that you guys are having issues with randomness but like they're not they're not they're not set, they're not setting off well, negatives for let me, me ask you this time sure. like you know if let's say we let's say that there's an, uh, we address or they address some of the random aspects of it mm-hmm. do you feel that that affects the tone of the game um, maybe a little bit Maybe a little bit. Because like to me, I think what it's done, it's created a game that feels really much in tone, plays really quick, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It it's fun on if you're a if you are a heavy player, 
you're going to have fun. If yeah. you get rid of the the events, mm-hmm. and if you minimize or get rid of the the uh, opportunity cards or whatever we call them, um, I don't think the game plays longer. I don't think it changes the the length or time of the game. Uh, I will give an example of where I found it to be egregious, and it wasn't involving me. Mm-hmm. It was involving Matt Patterson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt was. He had four bucks left <laughs> going into the next round. Sure, sure. But he was the first player. He had chosen to go first, yeah. which means he knew that his first play could be to go take a loan. Yep. Event comes out, no loans, and mm-hmm. no no way to get money in, in, in the entire round of the game. And his game it's was not a great feeling. His game was his game was over because out of a ten card event deck of that color, this this particular card came out and i think that um, that everything else that the, everything that the game delivers it delivers without that well it, it, but, i believe but, but but like you know like what are you like i like the about the thing i like about the game and uh is that it doesn't necessarily go to seven what you seem to be describing would almost always allow it easier to go to seven I don't think it's much easier. Why would it be? Why, like, like here, here are the things where nothing negative happens to you. Everything is available, and the cost is that you don't get the magical free five, you know, uh, energy. I'm just saying, like, you know, it it, it seems more viable. I think, Look, uh, as an example, mm-hmm. as an example, in um, Messina, mm-hmm. you see there are seven rounds in Messina. I think six or seven rounds in in Messina. And you can look ahead and see, oh, in this round, there's going to be double plague cubes. In this round, it's going to take two fire to burn out a plague cube. So essentially what that does is it takes a random event deck mm-hmm. and puts it out there. Mm-hmm. And matter of fact, there is a, a, a tile that can change what those uh, what some of those uh, events are. Actually, in, in, in that game, it changes what determines player order from turn to turn. But you could do that in this game. You could have a, a set of tiles that you put it out, and everybody can see, oh, in round three, nobody's going to be able to take money. It is going to make that game harder, be, yeah. but, in a way, but, in a, but in a way that you can predict and plan. But, but let me ask you this. Like, what would be better for Tone for Messina if it, they were random or the, that you could see that, oh, the rats aren't coming until blah, blah, blah. If you're, if you're dealing with you know, resurrecting Venice, is it Venice? Uh, in, in Messina. Messina. Messina, duh. You know, uh, with, with rats, in, yeah, yeah, like you know, like like Moscow. Yeah, like, <laughs> uh, like, what would be better for tone? Like, if you, if you were like, oh, here's this idea, like, oh, here are these ships coming, here are these events that are happening. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm trying to like you know rebuild the city. I'm trying to quarantine these people. Hmm. It, it, I will say, it, it, yes, it is. It makes it less skill based, but I feel like it affects tone in a, uh, in a way that is maybe worth it maybe not messina chose not to do that way but i feel like crisis here like it made a choice to create a tone and the way that it mitigates its randomness is that it's short like it can be short like you know the randomness isn't a problem when it gets to seven because like obviously you guys made it last that long but like here like oh you know this this big no uh no loans for example that's gonna crash this bit here like that's gonna suck for someone and it's gonna really hurt and they're not gonna win but it's going to be over in 20 minutes. Yeah. That's my, that's my, that's my, that's my I, pitch. I, I think that there's, mm. I mean, I, I, again, I'm sort of doing this like yes and everything because I think that, Tom, you, you lay out a very, like, I don't, I don't see any faults in your case. I, but I also know, again, I'm not 
it, since it doesn't really bother me, I don't have any issues with, with the events. I, I, I think it sort of creates a variability. Um, I think that maybe there's an interesting variant where you lay out the lay out the events and you see the red, green, and yellow events because depending on what state the country is in, you get a different type of event. So you know yeah. like, oh, if we go into yellow, this will happen to you us. You could lay out a matrix. That yeah. could be sort and, of and interesting. And you could gain it to some degree. I think it would be interesting to try it without the events to see how the game is different. But like as a whole, I... I think you could probably safely say to someone, uh, if the events are really bothering you, you probably could take them out. Um, I like them. I like, and I, and, and talking about it this time, and maybe it's good that we are doing this review a this, second this time. This tribute? Because, uh, this tribute. Because I, it, it made me realize that when the, one of the issues with the, the country bottoming out is like you, if you decide you're going to set up a long game strategy, you have to fight for it because if you set up a long game strategy, it doesn't matter if the game ends early. So like it adds this pressure, like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to just focus on getting, gathering workers and do all this stuff. But, um, but if you're going to do that, like you're in danger of the game just exploding on you. So that adds another decision space of like, how much time do I have to develop a strategy? Like, what can I do? Which just adds more pressure, which makes it just like, it just adds more fun for me. It's the experience. Yeah. yeah. And I think, and by the way, and I will say also, I think this game models a bubble exceptionally well. Yeah. You know, talking about, Mm -hmm. I mentioned Magnate before, a big thing in Magnate is that there's a, a real estate bubble. And we've had sort of like mixed reviews on how that bubble works. And in this game, it does it so well. I played a game that the meter got all the way down to two. It like it was inevitable that we were just going to crash, and a bunch of us just sold all our goods to try to get but, some points. But the and billionaires decided, go, you know what? We are going to save this nation. And the country came back, and then That's everyone right. who sold off all their stuff didn't have anything. And, to and do. everyone was have, thankful. Have you, ever, to have you ever played Greed Incorporated? No, I haven't. The the rarest splatter, like one of the hard uh, one one of these days, you and I will play will play that, and you will see a, a good, truly a bubble. amazing bubble game. Yeah, it, it's wonderful. But listen, I hope you guys can all hear that. What we're we're very passionate about this game because it's a very good game, and yeah. my, my my quibbles are my quibbles, but they're not they're not deal breakers at all. They're just I think that I think that inside this medium weight game is a, a an even crunchier one because so many of the elements of it are so well done. Yeah, I, I would it's, say, and, and, and this is, uh, this is you know, and I'll finish with this, like, I've been playing a lot of Railway of the World. I'm, I'm a Age of Steam guy. I still am an Age of Steam guy, but I've had such great time playing Rail, Rail, Railway of the World. Could you make Railways of the World more like Age of Steam? Of course. Of course. It'd be Age of Steam. It'd be very easy. <laughs> you know, it, it would be Age of Steam, but, like, the difference between playing railways of the world and age of steam is the experience that you want like i feel like if you want this experience you would get the experience it, it, it delivers fully like you know i, I feel like if you want a, a a tighter game a more competitive you want to use that word like this game has some things that are counter indicative of that but you know like you can see, like, you know, when you look at Railways of the World, you look at Age of Steam, you can see the bones. They're similar bones. It's just the the flesh is different, and so it causes a different experience. So. And, and I mean, obviously, I'm very enthusiastic about this. We all had that first gameplay. There was a little bit, like, we're like, wow, this is great. Yeah. And, you know, I uh, I also want to mention that the the table banter 
that this game provoked. And yeah. it, it, there's a, it creates a lot of discussion. There's a lot of commentary about like, oh my God, I'm dragging the country down or like jokey shame of like, you're ruining this country. I'm doing so much for this country. It creates a, a, a really fun, for as stressful as it is, it creates a very fun table atmosphere, which is, yeah. which is really great. I think it's, um, there were probably some other things I had to say about it. Um, I think we didn't really talk too much about the semi-co-op stuff because I know we're probably going to be we're, get into a little bit more all, in the next segment. Could not but, be a better time to sh- transition th- there. But this game, by the way, it is available on Tabletopia. So if you want to try it out, go there. Oh, cool. Try it on Tabletopia and, and get it at the Geek Store. It is a, it's a winner for us. It really is. Totally. Um, let's move on to talking about the semi-co-op game. Um ostensibly crisis is a semi-co-op game is it really so before we can answer that question we have to talk about what a semi-co-op game is uh in a in a cooperative game a truly cooperative game we are all working together to play against the game itself the game itself is trying to make us all lose and if we all work together we have the possibility of all winning in a semi-co-op game it takes that essential concept and throws just a little twist in it and makes it a situation in which, well, not everybody has to lose. That somebody can actually win. And sometimes it's a bunch of people can win or a bunch of people can lose. Sometimes it's just one person can win. So let's talk about the two main varieties, right? Uh, the main variety, the most common variety of a semi-co-op game is the Hidden Trader game. Began with things like Battlestar Galactica and moved on to Dead of Winter and Archipelago. And they're, uh, you know, um, the thing is going to be, is it going to be that kind of semi-co-op in which most of us are working very hard together to stop the game from beating us. Mm-hmm. But at least one person, and sometimes more, are definitely trying to make sure that that if the game wins, they win, is essentially what it comes down to. Um, but there is another kind of semi-co-op game, and it is a rare type of semi-co-op game. So rare, in fact, that we can only name a couple games that, that really feature it, and it's the We Are All In This Together semi-co-op. Uh, in 1990, Republic of Rome came out, and it was an example of this. The way it works is that we're all Roman senators or Roman families, and we're in influencing senators and getting people on our side and paying bribes and getting governorships and all this sort of stuff. But all the time, there are these crises that are coming out. There are these wars that we have to go and fight. And in order to fight these wars, well, guess what? That's going to take money, and that's going to take troops, and that's going to take sacrifice. And the problem is, is that nobody has to do it. But if you don't do it, Rome is going to collapse and everybody loses. But if you do do it and you don't do it evenly, somebody is going to win. One person is going to win this game. And who is that going to be? Another example of that is Vitalicerta's CO2. It is definitely one of those games where there is either going to be one winner or no winners. And that is a game that is really interesting because it models, uh, I I think I said it earlier, it it models selflessness versus selfishness and how do you balance those sorts of things. So that's our, so let's start with, let's start with Crisis. Is Crisis really a semi-co-op game? I mean, it 
feels like it is because it's one of those games where, uh, hey, if we're like, we're all it doesn't matter what you're doing, because uh, it, if we don't all try to help this country, the thing's going to hit zero and the game's just going to end. So on that level, it feels like it is. Mm-hmm. But I think as we were talking in our vanished episode that maybe it's actually not as semi co-op as as it would appear at first blush. Like for me, the answer is just a straight out no, because. Because I'm I'm I am evil <laughs> evil John Galt or whatever, and the only way I play the game is basically I just need to get past the little uh, the little marker the, the high water mark because the moment I do that I can't lose lose right I can only lose if someone beats me at the high water mark so I just do that and I think like if everyone took my perspective we'd get to seven rounds if if possible you know like you know yeah. uh. uh I mean, it's easier said than done. Yes, absolutely. I mean, like, absolutely. like oh, but, you know, but, I, just, I just choose to gain points, and that way I'll win. It's like, oh, okay, I'll do that with every game. If, if people focused on gaining victory points, uh, then uh, they might do well. As, as evil John <laughs> yeah, Galt, like, as evil John like, Galt, yeah. you know, that, 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 that's, that's how, you know, my, industrial, my industrialist self of Axia would, would perceive it. Right. And so, like, ultimately, like, your goal is actually, if everyone were to do it, to maximize your points and then, when it's about to about to die, the, the city is about to die. You shift so you don't maximize it. You just make sure that you're ahead, and then you crash the city. Yes, it's so. So, I think that's absolutely right. I think that at the end of the day, it is much more of a variable end state exactly. game than it is a a semi co op game. Although, what you're doing is is you're monkeying with when the game ends more than how the game ends you're to right. some degree. But maybe for the people who are below that marker is a co-op game because anyone at what we didn't really say this, but like at the end of the game for for Crisis, pretty if, if, Maybe we did say this, but anyone who's, if the country bottoms out, anyone who is above the marker of where it needs to be at that round could is win. eligible, eligible <laughs> to become America's next top model. Okay. Yes. But anyone who's below it is just out, out of the running. Right. So maybe, maybe it's cooperative for the people who are below it because then they have no shot. And what's the point of having no shot? So they can work together. But the thing is, the game doesn't really give a huge amount of tools to say, oh, if we work together, we can turn this around. You're just barely holding There are on. actually some of those, right? It's like, don't take a competing industry if you know I'm heavy in this industry. Don't sell one of something to the to the export market to take the demand away so that I, there are... There are, there are Opportunities yeah, we haven't for really skullduggery. Unlocked. We actually have not unlocked that kind of meta game yet, and, but that's totally right. There oh, is we, that we, that does we exist. Played, there. We played some games when you weren't doing oh, when I borrowed the copy that sad. were that were brutal in that sense. Um, but it is one of those things that if the metric as to whether or not Axia survives, which is the semi co op part of it, right, mm-hmm. is is the thing going to survive? If the metric of that is victory points, then Everybody wants Axie to survive because if you're one of the people dragging it down, that means you're low in victory points. If you're low in victory points, you're not going to win. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. That's the problem of it. That said, the part of it that is semi-co-op is exactly what Paul was talking about where there were many times when he and I, who tended to be above the, the line right, and in position yes. to win – we're doing the calculus where we're saying, well, I'm going to sell some things on the export market, but I have to see how much I want to sell because all I need to be is ahead of everybody else. I don't have to be eight points ahead of everybody else because if I'm eight points ahead of everybody else, Axia might survive. 
And if I'm only one point ahead of everybody else and Axia fails, then I have chosen when the game ends and it ends at the perfect time for me to win. So if the haves join together versus the have-nots, then uh, then you'll have a different... That's what basically the, 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 yeah. what we learn from, from Crisis, which this is, is that the have-nots come together and if the haves come together, they will duke it out and, and the best group I mean, wins. I mean, this is dark. This is, this is the, 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 the sunset of hegemony. Yeah, that's what we always said. I mean... That's that's right. This is the the downfall of the society we built in hegemony. So um, another sort. It's not semi semi cooperative feeling game, but it's ultimately a competitive game. Yeah. Whenever you, I, I believe, whenever you are, when the metric is points, it's always going to be competitive. Like I, I don't know. Like you know, there might be some condition that you have to get before the points count. But like when you're when you're going for points, like you know, it doesn't matter if I have to interact with you and be nice to you. Because I'm getting the points, right? Well, in CO two, it's points, isn't it? Uh, it is, but like once again, like with that, everyone can die. Yes, it's either one person wins or everyone dies. Right, and in and in the case of crisis, no, anybody who does well enough isn't going to die. Exactly. They might not win, but they're not going to die. Exactly. And with CO two, so I really enjoy CO two. I you haven't a, played with me. I, yes, that's right. the thing. That's I have not played with Paul. I I found that that decision of selfishness versus selflessness was very strong, and um, you know apparently I have not gone through the traumatizing experience of trying to save the world with Paul. It's it's not that it's not that when you play with Paul you feel bad about the game. It's that when you play that game with Paul, you feel bad about. Uh, humanity yeah that happens a lot with paul <laughs> yes you feel you feel you feel that oh we really don't stand a chance yeah when it comes right down to it because paul uh paul maybe it okay paul takes hostages paul mm-hmm. takes hostages early and often and uh at best at best paul simply says the quiet part out loud but I think it might be more than that. Because what Paul will do is he'll be, or or do you want to say? Paul? Oh, well, I am sitting here, like you know. Uh, but but you, you, can, you, you can because because you cop to it. You cop well, to like, it. Like, I will say that. So like uh, in a game where uh, we all die if if things don't work out, uh, the truth is the person who can pull push the button, pull the lever, they have the power. They have the leverage. It's not the person who goes, oh, I'm I'm. I have 20,000 points. Like, you know, it's the person who goes like, oh, well, if I push this, we all die and you do not win. You know, that, that's, that's my... Which is thematic in a, in a game of like countries having to come together to solve the environmental crisis, which is real, by the way. Yeah. Uh, uh, that, that someone, that like, a, you know, that, that countries have their own individual interests. Yeah, no, uh, Paul would say that it's a game about countries not coming together. To well, well, that, well, well, that too. Here, here's the thing, though. So, so here's how I play. I play it. Let's say I'm a, uh, a country that is. Uh, let's say I'm India, who mm-hmm. is uh, who has a huge economy, who's a huge pollutant, but I don't have a lot of uh, what you call it of money or stature compared to you know, like at least if in, in you know in the early aughts, like in, in 2030, it'll be very different. Anyway. Let's say I go to uh, America comes to me and says, hey, you, I, we want you to stop using coal. And we go, no. <laughs> well, and then he goes, like, if you don't stop using coal, like, you know, we'll all die. And I, I said, you, okay, what is it that you're going to give me to stop using coal? Because you are the richest country in the world. I'm going to want some of your status 
a lot of your status so that I can elevate mine. So it's worth it to me as much as it's worth it to you. Right. Open the safe or grandma gets it. I mean, it, it, it's, it's terrible, but, but, but this is, but it, I feel like this is. <laughs> but that, but the, so, and this is the reason why we're bringing this up, by the way, is because like, I'm assuming where this is framing, and this is one of the pitfalls of, of a semi-co-op game, which is that you of can get someone of, of this yeah. kind is that someone could start pulling this maneuver, which I think is very thematic, but I can understand that that could be frustrating for someone who's like, oh, I have to stop everything that I've been doing and I've been doing really well because now I've got to deal with a metagame that's going to hurt me. The people that I used to play Republic of Rome with um, were Mark Mark Now, mm-hmm. um, Chuck Tolman, Pete Ackman. These are people that were you know, among the people who founded Treyarch. So they're mm-hmm. huge computer gamers. You can't get more misanthropic than the way they play these games. It, literally, nobody calls it Republic of Rome in that group. We call it the bickering simulator. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. It is a bickering simulator, but it never gets to the to the place that Paul goes to when he <laughs> plays. It just does. It doesn't. Well, we we have destroyed so many games in that in that in that group. Mm-hmm. We don't destroy that game because listen, what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And by the way. It is a fragile game in which it oh, doesn't sure, have so. to be what it's supposed to be. Exactly. It doesn't have to be what it's supposed to be. What it's supposed to be is this is the idea that there are five of us that are competing with limited resources to be the best. But there is the there are these the game is constantly throwing curveballs at us in which we have to delay our plans. We mm-hmm. have to reduce mm-hmm. the advantages that we have gained for the good of all. And to some extent, the way the game is designed to be is to some degree to make that a self-balancing mechanism in which the the person who is doing the worst is going to is going to put in the least, and the person who's doing the most. There's a reason it's called we call it the bickering simulator because we are just constantly bickering mm-hmm. about what is a fair re- resolution. Uh, might I? Yes, please. But like, but like, if I were in your situation there, and I feel like you do this anyway. You're not looking for fair. You're looking for slightly better for you. Right? That's what everyone... But if everyone does that, then like, you know, then you have this position where you're going, oh, I'm trying to take advantage of the other person's perception of the inaccurate perception of of what needs to happen. And so, and we've had the conversation about this on, you know, like, uh, where like, is it better to present as fair and actually get a little ahead or be fair? Well, because because if you do Republic of Rome the way that you and like computer would do it, everyone would have the same points at the end. That would be the fairest thing, right? Yes, but the, there is there is random things that happen. So to some degree, one can say in this round I don't have to I don't have to have fair plus one. So are you saying at that point then the game if you played it absolutely fair then the cards determine who wins? No. What it is is I can take a round or two of fair minus one because it lets me live to fight another day mm-hmm. and the sure, sure. And, and I'm not so far behind that the shifting sands can't provide me an advantage like, later. Like, and yes, I, and, and this is this is the thing, right? Like, you know, as as horrific as I sound, like what ultimately happens is this winds up being the insurance of everyone goes, hey, you have to be fair or I will think this. Yeah. Listen, and, but, but then you don't sound, you sound bad, but you don't sound that horrible. Look, look, 
You're a mamal. I'm a mamal. We're all mamals here. We're, we're all mamals. We're all mamals. Nobody, nobody is perfect. We all come off badly at times. That yes. is the way it is. But it, it, here's the the difference is two things for, mm-hmm. from my perspective. Difference number one is that uh, I understand when somebody who in a five player game is in fifth place mm-hmm. and is way out of it. Yep. They're going to make you make big concessions. Sure, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. You act the same way when you were in second place. Mm-hmm. This is this is this is. But I mean, but it's interesting because when we talk about cooperative games, yes. a lot of like the experience of playing a pandemic or all these games, a lot of the fun. Yes, you're playing against the game, but a lot of the fun comes from the discussion of like, what should we do? I think we should do this. I think we should do this. And those games, in a certain way, could be viewed as a big negotiation game. Uh, if you don't have. You know, a jerk who's being a quarterback. Whoa! But like, oh, but like, oh, oh, that's not me. I just assumed, I assumed it was. <laughs> but, so in a, in a certain like way, if, if Paul is saying, "Well, I'm in second, and that's nice, but you know, I'm in it to win it," so you guys have to start making concessions. In a way, it's sort of inviting that discussion element that like uh, that comes with a co-op game. Like co-op games are very social because of that, yes. and it sort of invites that in. So like that, you know, if we're talking about like what are the cons, what are, what are the pros, what are the cons? One of the cons is that your game that you're building can get totally hijacked by someone like Paul. Uh, but on the other hand, one of the one of the pros is that it can invite in a lot of that table discussion and really bring the game above above the table, above yeah, the, above the in board, ways yeah. that other games can't. And I I love look look I love Genoa. I love negotiation games. Mm-hmm. I love negotiation games like like serial confluence. I love games like that where it's horse trading and 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 bickering and the back and forth. I love that, and a lot of times these games can work that way and can work really really well, and they create. Make no mistake, very unique experiences. They are very different than mm-hmm. any other game you've played because you are not, we're not arguing with each other about what the right course of action for all of us is. Mm-hmm. We're arguing about what is fair and more importantly, what can we settle for. Mm-hmm. But that has, to, that has to happen in a, in a, in a space <laughs> that, no, but in, it has to happen in a space where, we we don't. I, I think yeah, like, like basically like m- this strategy, like you know, which I feel like it's used geopolitically. Like I, I think I think countries do this, you know, basically. Uh, but like you know, my if Finland st- joins NATO. That's right. Like <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I believe that like you know, this strategy is not good for the spirit of what the game may be designed for. I, and yeah. I, I totally get it. It's a total like thing. Like I said at the beginning, it, it could be just that you're saying the quiet part out loud. Well, I mm-hmm. actually, we played an 18xx game, uh, Ben, myself, and James. Uh, oh, yeah. for, for, and, and I used this tactic on him, too. I go, basically, I'm in third place. I'm really going to lose. Uh, you are in second place, and you're still going to lose because Ben is so far ahead. You want something from me that will stop Ben. But I want something from you. I want to get so far ahead that we are both tied. That that's how much concession, you know. Because if you don't do it, we're both dead. If and and, and there's no there's no silver medal, silver medal. Yeah. And then I, I I say this. And how'd that go for you? And he was unprepared for such a a, a ruthless negotiation. Yes. It, it was a very hard thing for him to hear. I won. <laughs> <laughs> and Ben won. You know. Uh, b- <laughs> b- b- but. But it was it, a very hard-fought victory. That's why I'm so happy because I, it was like two weeks of fending off attacks from these yeah, two. Uh, but but there, there was a uh, there was a back seize, wasn't there? 
So basically, this is a fraught uh, gameplay. Uh, and so here, here is he. He goes, okay, Paul, you're. If you don't do this, blah blah. Okay, then I'll just do this. And James, like, no one should yeah, ever no, no. say you can't do that with Paul. Well, so but that, that's, a, that's like, a button. That's a psychological yeah. button for Paul. So for me, like, uh, I think my favorite semi co-op game I've played of this style, you know, of, of the hidden trader kind. I love Dead of Winter. Mm-hmm. I talked about that last week, so I don't need to go into Dead of Winter again. Sure. I think it's a fab, fabulous semi co-op game because you don't always know if you're a semi co-op or not. I apologize that we're not talking more about the hidden trader, but really, that's not what we're talking. We've talked we talk about, about that about a Avalon lot. so yeah. much. Yeah. Like it kind of hits on those things. Those games, those games are difficult to balance, but when they work, they really work. Yeah, it's kind of a different experience. But in terms of the ones where it's like. I'm playing a game and um, I either have to help out everyone else or focus on my strategy. I think like Lowlands for me mm. is a really special uh, example of this because it, it addresses the Paul issue where no one can really take take the game hostage in order to get what they want because the way that Lowlands works is that we're all sheep farmers in the Netherlands. Yeah. Um, and, uh, if, as we, we, it's very Agricola-esque. In fact, Uwe Rosenberg has given a seal of approval on the back of the rules book. I like this game. It's good. Yeah. It literally, direct quote. So the, but the, uh, we're all making these beautiful, fun sheep farms and the sheep are exploding on our boards and the sheep are worth a huge amount of points. Like basically whoever has the most sheep at the end of the game is probably going to win. But <laughs> there's a flood a coming, and if the if the if there's a now flood, you're building the levees. Yeah, if there's if a, if a flood comes at the end of the game, and if there's not that if the town dike has not been built, that flood is going to come through and wash away all the sheep. So uh, you have to, as a group, like it's important for everyone to work on on the on the dike. But um, if you work on the dike and you save all the sheep, then whoever has the most sheep is going to win. So you then you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to work. I want to have my sheep and have them work on the dike. But the thing is that if not everyone's working the dike, it's probably not going to hold. And then the people who worked on the dike are going to get points. And I'm kind of like rushing through this, so I don't want to get bogged down in it. But essentially, if people try to tank the game in one way, mm-hmm. then the, the other the, people are going to get points. The game compensates. People, yeah. Right. If you try to tank it the other way, other people are going to get points. To put it into the context of what we're talking about, in CO2 and Republic of Rome, there is a state in which everyone simply loses or the game survives and whoever has the most at that point wins. Mm-hmm. There is a game like uh, Crisis in which there is a game state in which the game ends and then anyone that has uh, gotten over this threshold counts up their victory points and the winner is the person with the most victory points. Or we survive all the way to the end and then we count up victory points and money. And and so there's kind of a second additional add-on to the scoring. And then there is Lowlands, which is very interesting to me, where it is there are two separate end scoring conditions that are kind of unique and kind of different. Than, kind of than zero summy, right? Like, like if you're doing t- well in one, you're doing poorly in the other to some degree. Yeah, and I think that does a really good job of addressing it. You know, because you're essentially you're like, am I going to use these resources to build out my sheep, or am I going to use them to build out the dike? And and like, if you you have the seesaw, and what's really cool is no, someone can't just tank the game. They're just going to tank their a game. certain scoring position and 
what's interesting is that people can will vacillate back and forth. So like if you decide, Paul, that you want to tank CO2, chances are not everyone's going to say, I'm going to tank it too. But in, in lowlands, if everyone is is building their farms out and I say, well, I'm going to work on the dike, but just enough that they're all still going to get flooded out. They're going to lose their points, but I'm going to get the points for building the dike. Then other people are going to say like, well, I want those dike points. So then other people work on the dike. And then all of a sudden, too many people are working on the dike that it'll be effective and it'll save the sheep. So you say, well, they're building the dike, so I'm going to build my sheep. So you go back <laughs> to your sheep. And then other people are saying, wait a second, I want to work on my sheep too now. So if there's this cool back and forth that yeah. is like this evolving semi-co-op situation. Which might be the ideal way of doing this. I, I, listen, I've been thinking about that since you brought it up the first time we recorded this yes. two days ago. And I realized that the game that I'm developing, Orbitals, should have something like that. Mm-hmm. The idea being that the the whole idea is there's an asteroid coming to Earth, whatever, and we're trying to get enough people into sustained habitats in space, 70s style, in order to survive. And it, the thought occurred to me that it would be really interesting if there was kind of a Lowlands-esque semi-co-op in which the haves in the orbital space are not going to get the the points that they're expecting to get if enough of the other players haven't also made it up there, right? If yeah. there's not enough of a, uh, a rising tide, if the rising tide hasn't risen all ships, humanity is is doomed, and so you're not going to score that way. That yeah, I, I think this may be a hot take, but upon further discussion about this, I realize, like, I think the Lowlands should kind of be the blueprint of, like, semi-co-op semi-co-ops. games. I think that people should take that model, that idea of that it's like it's not just like oh it's i'm, to- all I'm totally hard. fine to be neutralized you know like I, you know I, listen I, I take it as the greatest compliment that we have to design games around, around you yeah <laughs> okay but that being said i think that semi-co-op games can be a very special experience oh. and they add a layer of decision making that's yeah. very unique and discussion and it's sort of like you have to play a meta game amongst with yourself yeah but they're really cool. uh, but they are fragile they are fragile. fragile, fragile things. If you if you have a friend who is a sociopath, you may not be able to play that with that person. Yeah. You might if, if there's a person that's a robot that doesn't feel that that, that or, or worse, a sociopathic robot or sociopathic robot, yeah, oh, who, who is who is still fine tuning their their uh, emotion Al- simulation yeah, algorithms. Yes, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, guys, this was so great to do twice. I think. I mean, obviously, it was so much better the first time. It, it, it would have. This it is a tribute. Ha- it was. Yeah. This is just a tribute. Yes. I, I, I'm it was the greatest wish- podcast in the world that we recorded last. I, I, I almost want this recording to go bust as well, so we can do it one more time. Oh, no, do you have to do that? <laughs> I just have a great time talking with you guys and playing games with you guys. I want to let you know that I love you, and Paul. I'm really sorry that you're going through all this nonsense this year. It's, Absolute it's, nonsense. Like, and every time I see it. I the, my first instinct is to laugh, and then a couple hours later, I feel the sad. I feel the sad because it's it's you don't deserve any of this. It's a bunch of nonsense, and I feel really bad that it's happening. Investing in the future, but like B and I were okay. talking about it, and we're going how like, huh? You know, it's been a real challenging year, but it's not been a bad year. Okay, so 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 you know, like, yeah, like the, the, it's not there's no knockout punches. You That's know, a so, so great yeah. way to look at. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, so Bond survived, but yeah, yeah, you know, like in, in 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 some ways, I feel like that's a win. Yeah, kind of. It, you know? it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Anyway, uh, 
Ladies and gentlemen, we have a YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash GameBrainPod. We have a Facebook group, a Discord channel. Please get in those Game Sommelier requests. We may have to move the Game Sommelier up in the order because we never mm-hmm. seem to have time for it, especially when it's the three of us. Um, but thank you guys so much for that. Please get in some more game requests. And you've been listening to Game Brain, produced and edited by Matthew Robinson, Tom Donnelly, Trey Alsop, and Ben Mandelker. Special thanks to Daedalus for our incredible music. More on Daedalus at GameBrainPod.com. And thanks to Edomar Peleg for our incredible graphics. You can find out more about him also at the site. You can reach us at email at contact at GameBrainPod.com or on Twitter at GameBrain underscore pod. Thanks for listening and go play some games with friends or make some friends with games. That's how you land it, Ben. (laughs) So good.